Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to this week's interview with High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersusGrowRoom.com. This week's interview, we speak to Jack Greenstalk, who is the host of a podcast called Cheap Home Grow and also the author of a book called 50 Strains of Green. Super cool guy, man. He he knows loads of stuff about growing uh, from breeding cannabis to growing cannabis, tasting cannabis. He knows loads about this shit. You'll enjoy it. He's a cool guy. So if you want to check out more from him, you can find him on Instagram. Obviously, everybody's on Instagram. You just Instagram.com slash Jack Greenstalk, and you'll find him there. And you can also buy his book or find out more information about his book on 50strains.com. That's 50strains.com, 50 strains. So don't get it confused with the 50 shades of grey. That's not the not, that's not the book. But <laughs> go for uh, 50 strains of green and you'll find his book. And it's just a book about uh, lots of different cannabis strains. And he also has a book coming up in the near future called 50 Strains of Purple. So and he'll go through all the different cannabis strains that grow purple rather than green. Yeah, man. Cool guy. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, I'll speak to you after this. But for now, enjoy. See you in a bit. Hello. What's up? How y'all doing? How's it going, Jack? I'm doing well. How are y'all doing today? Oh, sweet, man. Oh, good and high. I think I'm going to get a little bit high. I'm going to crack open this mighty. Get some of this lemon tree. Got mine warming up now as we speak. You know what I'm saying? How about yourself, man? What are you smoking? It's a phenotype of uh, cookies called Doe, D-O-U-G-H, from a group called uh, Fresh Baked out here. They're known as Long Beach Farmers, or at least that's what they put on the bottom of their jar. All Uh, right. I'd so say there's stuff some you bought better... from dispensary, is it? It's a free sample. My wife works at a delivery service, so what? Gets... Free sample weed? What Lots can of... happen, man? You get a gram here, gram there. Damn. Yeah, you man, guys it's are so a... lucky. Damn. Nothing new to us. We, uh, I've been in this industry for a while out here in, in California, and I worked as at a delivery service for a while. And my job was actually to smell the pounds that we bring in and write the description for the patients and part of that was sampling it and so there was definitely some free cannabis in the process and at least discounted while you're working there but <laughs> my wife is like the person who works with all the brands who come in so her and like three or four other people at the company um, determine essentially it's legal for uh, companies to say all right here's a delivery service we're a grower or a middleman we want to give our stuff to these companies that we think might carry our product and to try and get them to carry our product we'll give them x amount of free eighths or concentrates or edibles or whatever it is Sweet. so uh, yeah but i'd say like 80 to 90 percent of the flour is like i wouldn't smoke it again even if it was given to me free <laughs> really so a high percentage then yeah yeah only like 10 to 20 percent of the people out here are actually doing good shit in the legal market mm. it's just really mm. difficult with all the regulations testing and a lot of chads and brads they're getting the um permits so they're just hiring people stealing their sops and then trying to run the show and end up yeah yeah bring it over um yeah we heard there's a lot of problems out there in california it doesn't seem like the promised land like it's made out to be sometimes no the promised land is growing your own at home indeed of course i'm in the promised land right now that is the way to do it once you go commercial you're gonna 
I think, realize that you lose a lot of the passion for it unless, like, it's 100% your operation. If you're working for somebody else, no matter what it is, no matter how fun the job is, eventually you're going to get to a point where it's like, oh, I got to clock in today. Yeah. And, uh, like, Spartan Grown just left Mitt and Canico over right. something like they were selling through dispensaries that support the MCMA, which is the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association, hmm. who spent $10 million last year to lobby against home grower and caregiver what? rights. Yeah, man, you have to leave that. Fuck them. Absolutely. Yeah. Spartan's been with them for a while as well. Oh, yeah, for a few years since they started. And um, uh, he's been a big big part of their operation. I think they only have like five or six active crew, and they're bringing in like some trim ladies to help de-leaf and trim and stuff like that. But their main crew is only like four or five guys that actually grow. Yeah, what a legend, so, man, to be like, fuck you, you're going to do that shit, I'm not playing. That's uh, having values there, and uh, yeah, man. I respect and appreciate that. Yeah, Spartan's a good I, guy, I, man. I try not to sacrifice on my values and morals, uh, and I definitely think he's a great person for being mm-hmm. a shining example of how to do that. I'm sure they have no problems finding somewhere else to work as well. He knows he's already got that guy. Yeah, he's already yeah. gotten offers and uh, he's turned them down. He owns his house and car so he can take a little time off. And <laughs> Sweet. Good for him, man. Uh, he said he's good for at least a year um, to me. And I'm like, well, that's a lot better than most people, you know. Some people yeah, don't yeah. even have a $500 emergency. So mm-hmm. I'm happy for him. He set himself up well so that he doesn't have to panic or really stress right now. And uh, he can enjoy a little time off before he decides to get back into it or maybe get into something else as far so as commercial goes. Yeah. I know he'll always be growing at home, though. Yeah, man. What about you? You you got a homegrown on. You do homegrown, don't you? He shakes his head, confirming. Yeah, well, that, I don't know if it was to me or to, to Monkey. Yeah, I figured. It oh was yeah, Monkey. Oh, he, we, we, he knows I grow. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think I grow in the same size tent you do, Jack. Those little bitty old small ones. Yep, yep. Hey, if you are uh, really dedicated, you'll find a way to make it work. And in under oh, five yeah. square feet, hey, we yep. can pull over you know a couple pounds a year. And for most people's medicine, that's uh, pretty damn good. It's saving them thousands of dollars, myself at least, and mm-hmm. gives you the opportunity to try a bunch of different seeds and grow your own stuff and see how much better it is than the dispensary stuff. Yeah, it's just next level quality, isn't it? Yeah, the level of control that you can have and the love you put into plants. If I noticed like one of my last runs, I didn't put too much love into it and I got a tiny bit of white powdery mildew. I just let them overgrow, didn't de-leaf enough. And it was only like mm-hmm. a, a gram or two lost. But uh, still, it was like one of my least attentive runs. I was just working like 80-hour weeks at work and um, had a lot going on, trying to help my wife out with uh, some of her stuff Mm. and um, stuff at home, trying to help people out online in this community and things like that as well. Mm -hmm. So super busy, and I let my plants sort of suffer and sacrifice. I was like, you know what? They're surviving. That's good enough. Yeah. yeah. And uh, surviving versus thriving are two different things. So giving it 100% attention versus 60 or 70% is a Mm -hmm. whole different ballgame. And you need that reminder every now and then. Like, if you just have dank run after dank run after dank run, no problems. It's easy to get complacent. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think most people have a ten out of ten every run. I think if you really look back at it, you could say this is a nine point five out of ten. Like, I really knocked it out of the park. But what if I didn't let it go dry in week two and mm-hmm. uh, the EC spike, or if I would have topped this one more time, or if I would have done this or done that? Like, there's always a little extra that I feel like I could get out of every grow. That's what yeah. makes it so interesting and exciting. I'd have to agree with that. I, every grow I've done is always something I could have improved on. I've never given myself a 10 out of 10. I'm lucky to get a nine out of 10. I just got to be a realist. You know, I don't even count to 10, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you count to what? 28. That's ounces, right? Yeah, man. That's right. I don't even try and 
right more weed nowadays it's been doing it for so long it's just you know there's there's the next batch it's okay you know the the lemon tree which we've grown recently that's some it's like some pinnacle shit man mm-hmm. that's some high quality weed but normally it's just you know average average i know it's better quality than most because it's homegrown shit but i'm sure there's better out there you just have to I, enjoy i'm not like grown, I'm not like scientifically measuring. I don't send anything to like lab tests to be like, mm-hmm. this one has 31% and that one had 29% THC mm-hmm. or this has X amount of terpenes, that has X amount of terpenes. I've never had anything lab tested and I have the legal ability to. I think it's a little bit of a waste of money in medicine mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. because you're going to know what you like and what you don't like. Why yeah. the fuck do you need a lab test? So Yeah, for sure, man. I'd have to agree. I mean, to the lab test, the numbers aren't going to make you enjoy it more or less. So what the heck do I need those for? So what medium are you growing in? You are a living soil organic grower? Yeah, so uh, I was cocoa maybe four years ago. Um, I got back into growing. God, I guess to go all the way back to the start, I started with rear DWC, and I was kind of just like a water boy at somebody else's operation. I'd go on D-leaf, mop the floors, measure EC, pH, things like that, mm-hmm. give them nutrients occasionally. But uh, this was a while, a while back, and um, did that for like four years. And when I left for college when i came from ohio out to california my freshman roommate started a seed in our windowsill the last like few weeks of the semester and we got a little apartment down the road and uh grew it in our side yard and that was like the first outdoor growing experience i had it was more organic because we just started with soil from the dormitories like Mm. flower beds Mm -hmm. and a starbucks (laughs) paper cup and uh it ended up being like six foot plus tall just planting it into the ground here in yeah. Southern California. Great weather. I called it sweet skunk, even though we didn't have like a label or anything because it smelled sweet and skunky, like mm-hmm. the sweet skunk I've, I'd come across in the past. But uh, that works. Yeah. We had a, it was interesting because we did have like one apex spider, like not a spider mite, like a fucking big old boy. And like we thought about killing him or removing him, but it was eating a bunch of the like caterpillars and other shit that mm-hmm. were coming after the plant. So we let it go. That's right. Man. As so, long as they're, they're not herbivores, they're good exactly. to stay, you know, <laughs> like carry yeah. on. Kill it was whatever you see. Nerve wracking and a good eye opener to IPM. But that same dude, um, he ended up going on to get into like light depth greenhouses and he taught me a lot about Korean natural farming and Jot I am. But um, from there, I went to work for a delivery service that was basically all organic and they were super into the KNF no till Jot I am style as well. And he grew a few plants like on their balcony and stuff. And I helped take care of them when they got out of town. So when he ended up firing me because uh, things went legal. So when we went from medical to legal, it actually restricted a lot of access. So like medical delivery services couldn't operate the ways that they used to, which was like, as long as you had a state uh, permit, you could operate basically anywhere within the state. Now you need like city regulations, all this other stuff. And they only give out X amount of permits. It's not like just anybody can apply for it anymore. Mm. But um, so I ended up getting fired by this guy. Unfortunately, Uh, it was, it was really lame. Like he was a big dick about it too. He like made up some bullshit excuse, but reflecting back i realized uh the writing was on the wall like we were going from prop 215 which was medical to prop Mm -hmm. 64 which is recreational legal which also has some medical provisions still like grandfathered in right but lessened so you can't just like grow 99 plants like it was back in the day Mm -hmm. um but how long ago was that what did that happen that was probably 2016 ish Mm -hmm. So, but uh so in in that time since then in between then and now you've written a book and shit too right yeah so i started growing in cocoa when i started because I, I 
wanted to get back growing again because I saw he was doing like small scale balcony grows and having success actually getting some dank plants. Sweet. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I could do this shit myself. And uh, I'm going to do some research on the internet because my big, my starting was a more commercial operation. It was a grow house. The dude had multiple grow houses and like, it's a lot different than setting up a grow for yourself. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of came at it with a twisted perspective because I learned things in a commercial environment. And then I went into a small environment, which most people do the opposite. Most people start in the closet and build mm-hmm. their way up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to learn how to work with a lot less space than mm-hmm. how to control more space and more lights and things like that. Mm-hmm. So when I first started growing, I, or even before I started looking at like those space buckets where people grow inside of like a five gallon plastic bucket and they like stack yeah, yeah. them up or like uh, totes where they like stack the totes and they put mm-hmm. lights in there and fans and they're getting a couple ounces and stuff like that. And, you know, no disrespect to them, but it was just a little bit too low for the mm-hmm. consumption uses for even it's just a cool myself. way to grow women. That's a real interesting. I've never done it myself, but it looks interesting to be able to grow plants in a bucket like that. Very cool. But yeah, so that was like, own. it's not for me. If there's a spectrum of like commercial growing where you've got like hectares outdoors, it's like the largest you can get to like your space bucket, tiny mm-hmm. little cabinet grows. Uh, I wanted to go just like the next step up from that, which I found was like a small tent. And I ended up finding one. I measured the dimensions of a closet. My wife cleaned out and she's like, you can grow in there if you want. Sweet. I was like, All right. So uh, if I can grow in there, I'm going to figure out how to like do it. I did a little research, got a tent that fit in there. And um, one of the guys locally at the hydro store kind of took me under his wing and showed me how to grow in cocoa because i'd never done that before it was all rdwc or like organic soil so Mm -hmm. uh, i grew in cocoa for a year or two using like heavy 16 and although i really enjoyed it a lot i just um wanted to get back to the organic roots i didn't like mixing up bottles and all plastic and buying a lot of water unfortunately and Mm -hmm. it is more expensive inputs um comparatively than like oh yeah for sure so i I started hearing good things about this michigan-made mix m3 an organic soil out of Michigan. And I looked into it and the guy had like all the heavy metal testing done on it. He, it was called the uh, Michigan made mix is for like anything that's like yeah. fruits, vegetables, uh, whatever. But then M3 they also mix, call it, yeah. yeah, they also call it the medical marijuana mix. So yeah. it was directly targeted at cannabis and you could get even a different bag. One of them had like pot leaves on it. And the other one just said like Michigan and had like the Michigan little glove, uh, mm. which is like the shape of their state. But so I tried that on, I was basically trying to, fact check a breeder who i won't even mention because i've since found out they're kind of a not very uh reputable person they steal people's genetics and rename them and they just don't deserve the attention yeah but, but um they're making claims they're hitting two grams per watt using cob leds <laughs> with m3 soil <laughs> so i was like you know what if i could even get half that or like 1.5 gram per watt i'd be fine with that you know i'll try it out myself and i never got the two grams per watt but it made me try out the soil and i really like the soil um so I'm actually glad that I switched. I was using uh, ceramic metal halide, which I think is a great light. Yes, yeah, good light. Had, had way too much. I was using, it's a nine square foot grow light, basically for a three by three. Mm-hmm. I was packing it into a three by 1.2, like 1.67, which is five square feet. I had four square feet too much of light. Wow. And uh, growing in warm Southern California with no air conditioning. Oof. So it made it's a really lot of challenges. for heat problems there, doesn't it? Yep, 100%. Yeah. So you're forced to learn a lot when you're in situations like that. So I built my own LED, which was a cob base from a San Diego company called Timber Grow Lights, and uh, two white 3500 Kelvin um, base cobs at 220 watts. And then on top of that, I wanted to, because my buddy who had a Timber Grow light, he had really good results his first, second, third run, but then he added extra reds. Hmm. And um, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll try and do that on mine. 
and I got these little things are called anthelions, which are like light halos. It's like a little ring that goes around the outside of a cob that boosts uh, 660 nanometer red. It's just like a spike and that's cool. 660 red. So I got two of those, but then I got one of them that had 440 nanometer blue because I read an article that said 440 nanometer blue brings out more anthocyanin production, which makes mm. the plants turn purple or darker colors. Mm. And it also brings out terpene production. So I was like, shit, if I could just add that into the light with a few little you know, diodes and get a spike that can potentially spike the anthocyanins and terpenes, I might as well. So I wired that all up myself with no electrical experience uh, with the help <laughs> of pure breeding, Kyle Breeder. He's an electrician. And then the guy, Ohm's Law, is the one who actually made the devices. And he ended up selling them to some like guy in South Africa, the design, and they still make them. I cool. think it's like a called like um, something shift PCB for like printed circuit board. Uh, I think it's like Redshift PCB or something. Anyway, but uh, once I made those, I had a lot more proper PPFD and heat in my tent and mm -hmm. things just started crushing both. Um, I switched really quickly from that point to organic soil, but even the cocoa runs that I did under that LED were extremely successful, more successful than the uh, CMH. Not as far as actual raw yield i've never hit as big of a yield as i did when i was running 315 watt cmh with cocoa mm -hmm. with, cmh uh, is such a good light man and I, i'm I've, i used to grow under cmh as well and there was just a specific glow to the plants when it was growing underneath that light but i haven't seen under any of and i still grow under badass lights now i'll grow under invisible sunlights and it's the the lm301 h's and b's and all, all the top of the range fucking shit but it just they just don't have that same glow the cmh gave them there's something special about them 315s. There's something in that spectrum, I agree. There might be like something with the UV or even like other parts of the spectrum that we're not aware of, but mm. the plants almost look like plastic at times. So they're yeah. like so green and lush. They look like a fake display plant mm -hmm. and they're so vigorous under CMH. But um, that being said, I finally, with the red and blue spikes, I think really got my LEDs to a place where I'm happy, where I'm getting mm -hmm. the same nug structure and frost and uh, pretty close to the same vigor. I would say not necessarily quite as vigorous as the CMH at its mm -hmm. like peak, but uh, pretty damn close. And I'm I'm really happy with the LEDs of today. Modern LEDs are really yeah, really but good. They're top of the range, shit, isn't it? Definitely. And the prices have come down. Yeah, because I mean, ten years ago, you're looking at a substantial cost for a, even low quality LED compared to what out there nowadays. The quality went up massively, and the price came down massively. So, uh, it's rare to see now somebody growing under HIDs, either you know the CMHs or HPS or metal halide. So it's rare to see. But nowadays, it's all about the LEDs, man. Which is good. It's good because you know it's good for the environment. It's much better when we're using less energy on this on this shit. Still seeing a lot of HID out there in the commercial market though, because it's just I don't know cheaper to start up. Yeah, yeah that's mm -hmm. it and they don't consider that every six months to a year they're gonna have to replace those bulbs and mm -hmm. if right. they're doing it properly they're gonna have to do it with a disposal method that accounts for the fact that there's like mercury in those bulbs it's yeah, not like you just go throw it in your dumpster mm -hmm. okay. that, isn't it? yeah where your leds are gonna run for like five maybe ten years or something you know they've got tons of hours on them and they'll keep running it's just they won't be as bright so by mm -hmm. that time you'll be like hey i want the newer model just like you don't keep your phone for 10 years you know you get the every two or four or six years or whatever so what what made you decide to start your write your own book then what what happened to you just decided one day i've got time might as well sit down and put some of this shit down on paper well a lot of it had already been done to be honest i was because i'm a medical patient i have a lot of uh injuries like i've broken every single finger in both hands playing football I had at least a dozen concussions um, playing football, a few where I was not entirely unconscious. So Oof. I had 
very bad insomnia, very bad uh, arthritis. I do have mental health issues that I struggle with at times and cannabis can help me deal with all those things. Mm-hmm. Focus being one of them. Um, if I'm not using cannabis, it's hard for me to remember things as well. I know that sounds counterintuitive because cannabis makes a lot of people forgetful. When I'm not using cannabis, I'm way more forgetful and it's harder for me to stay on track. Mm-hmm. I think like pinene is a big part of that, alpha pinene, but I also think it's pain. I have a lot of pain from all my injuries and cannabis right. is a great pain reliever without having the risk of like overdosing and like mm-hmm. harming me. So I can comfortably indulge or even overindulge with cannabis and not risk any of the side effects that I would have with pharmaceutical medication. So with that said, the whole book relation to that is I had a, I have a few of them around strains that I've tried because if you see right here, I'll hold up just two of them, but I've got three on my table. This is glass jar eighths or whatever um, that I go through and I take photos of and I take notes about, this is a called the Congo club, red Congolese. I learned a little bit about this. That'll tell you guys in just a second. Mm. Um, Fresh baked dough yeah it does have thcv and then um purple pound cake but this is an example i used to when i first moved to california as a medical patient go into the dispensary or call a delivery service and say i want your absolute best quality indica sativa and hybrid i don't care if it's 60 dollars eighths or 100 whatever it was i'd save up and i try and get the best indica sativa and hybrid and i kind of realized pretty quickly that that paradigm wasn't necessarily super accurate for mm-hmm, me at least mm-hmm. i think everybody's individual endocannabinoid pathway is a little different so something might be labeled a sativa and then knock you out something might be labeled an indica and lift you up something might be labeled a hybrid and be only one way for you like only in the head or only in the body so once i had all those kind of shattered paradigms thrown out the window i was like well it's still the way that they label shit so at least sometimes it's accurate yeah. and most of the time i actually would say it's accurate and then there's a few times where it is thrown off for me. This gives you some kind of idea. So a, a ballpark range. Yeah. So in trying all those, um, let's say it was like three strains a week or whatever it was. Um, I started to realize that certain ones, like a lot of the blues helped me like blueberry, uh, blue dream and mm-hmm. blue strains. And then I started finding out like uh, Jack Herrera and like Dutch treat and uh, train wreck and a few others that were pioneer helped me as well. So I found out about pinene and terpenes and have later found out about other things like flavonoids and esters and aldehydes and ketones and all the minor uh, cannabinoids and cannabis. There's so many little things in there that make them unique and special. And from there, I realized, well, like if my medical journey is like this, I tried thousands of strains, let's highlight, you know, 50 of them. And Mm -hmm. I started just making a list. I liked, um, the success that I saw with a book out there called 50 shades of gray, which is yeah. a little bit of like a sexual title, adult content. Mm-hmm. Not that this isn't adult content viewer discretion is advised <laughs> or listener, but uh, I was like, you know what? That's kind of a interesting name. It's a series that did, it was successful and I could kind of do a play on the words of 50 shades of gray mm-hmm. and call it 50 strains of green nice and i didn't want to do 50 shades of green because i think it might have been too close and i could get like sued or something (laughs) but and the other thing was strain is a proper term for cannabis and one of the guys i highly respect in the community his name is dr ethan russo he used to work with gw pharmaceutical and he gives speeches all the time all over the uh, us and elsewhere he would say oh you can strain your back you could strain pasta but there could be a new strain of a you know virus or 
things like that. That's the proper use of a word strain. But he's like, strain is not proper to be used for cannabis. And mm. I was like, okay. So I said that. I even repeated that on podcasts and things like that mm. until I Googled strain. And if you go on Google and type in the word strain, S-T-R-A-I-N, and then you look at their definitions, there's one that says like biology. There's one that says like cooking. <laughs> there's a bunch of different definitions. So the biological definition mm. says strain, noun, uh, plural strains, one, a breed, stock, or variety of an animal or plant developed by breeding. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell me how cannabis does not fall under that definition, I'd be all ears. Oh, I always call it strain. I, Just, I did too. And I hated yeah. that we had to call it cultivar or chemovar or oh, have variety. Call it, <laughs> call it fucking strain, people. You're okay to call it strain. And yeah, don't man. let some fucking mm-hmm. douchey scientist tell you otherwise. Because we've been right for a long time. We didn't just make up the word strain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Strand is wrong, I think, but strain. Yeah, is I heard that sometimes. Some, some people say, say strand. I don't even know what that is. It's like when people call it trichromes. Yeah, yeah I've seen that one. Or, yeah, you know, whatever. Call them what you want. Crystals, I don't give a fuck. It's just like, it's funny to me that like a scientist got all up in arms. And there's another guy, like a breeder out there who got all up in arms and big Twitter conversation with me. And I like even screenshotted the Google thing. And I was like, well, how does this not work for cannabis? Like they, we're breeding. You, you can't get into arguments on Twitter. It's just a waste of time. It's not worth it. I've learned yeah. that. It's mm-hmm. definitely not worth it. <laughs> So what's that? What's that saying? But it's like playing chess with a pigeon. The pigeon is gonna lose, but it's still gonna strut around on the board as if it knows it's shit. It's like, fuck that, man. Just waste time. Shit everywhere. Yeah, just gonna shit everywhere. It's <laughs> like it knows everything anyway. And then you you end up looking like an asshole from afar. You know, mm-hmm, it, it's mm-hmm. like uh, what's the the crowd from afar? They can't tell who's the idiot. No. When two people are arguing. There's know. a saying when you it comes get to these social networks, man. Post and ghost, motherfucker. Post and ghost. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, the book, um, that definition was one thing that I really wanted to include strain right in the title. In fact, mm-hmm. my website is 50strains.com because I'm going to do 50 strains of purple and 50 Sweet. strains nice. of autoflower and 50 strains greener or darker are going to be some subsequent I'm working on 50 strains of purple right now. I've selected all of the strains. I'm just doing the research and filling them out and honestly uh, putting off my taxes <laughs> in like six days. So I've just been uh, delaying that as much as possible. And I should be working on that too. But, you know, you, you do things when you can. You've got to take and, some R&R. You know, you got to do what you enjoy. 100%. And the thing is, uh, I, I've every single year paid 100% every penny that I'm supposed to pay. All the money that I earn rightfully, I pay taxes on. Mm-hmm. all of them. so mm-hmm. even though i own my own business i could do funny shit with it and, and hide some of my money and this and that but i don't want to fuck with the irs yeah man i don't, don't want to powerful have, yeah no reason to end up in jail if you don't have to for cannabis mm-hmm. or taxes or any other reason so That's right. i try to avoid say to everybody who listens to the show man it's like don't be a criminal just because you grow weed no that's not the way it has to be don't steal the power don't do all that shit yeah. Yeah. be legit man be legit now grow it grow it right so have you how many strains you've only written one book so far have you got another one that's been planned out yeah so 50 strains of purple is the sequel the reason i did 50 strains of green a big reason is of that thousand strains i tried um i realized that there's a lot of differences between them and when i was growing up in ohio everyone's like oh all weed is the same you know you Mm. stone (laughs) you get the munchies and you fall asleep you smoke you eat you fall asleep and one of my friends actually stopped like hanging out with us because 
we grew up playing sports and stuff and admittedly like when uh, some of us started smoking some of them got less active I, I personally wasn't one of them i still was doing sports and active and all sorts of shit but he wouldn't like that at like nighttime <laughs> granted we're like hanging out at night you know watching movies chilling playing video mm-hmm. games doing high school kid shit uh we'd go in the other room or whatever smoke a few bong loads come back giggly and would a- occasionally have the munchies and fucking pass out <laughs> um but so good that times. was kind of all he could see it as and they were good times i'm sure a lot of us would love to go back to those times and oh yeah get that high again mm-hmm. those first few times that you actually got so fucking stoned. you know when you're, you're all mm-hmm. kids and you're also polo and nobody's even got a fucking pack of rizzle to pass around anybody got papers <laughs> it's like i've got Dude, this one first, sheet you know <laughs> we had a wax paper joint was my first joint and my first bowl was out of a fucking soda can you know foil can yeah. pressed down with you know thumbtack holes in it wow member Remember, mm, never made those. I remember. Patrick Farm remembers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, that, that, those were terrible times. And uh, to get back to the book, I guess, comment is what relates to that to me is it's kind of important to document the uniqueness of all these strains because a lot of these breeders have done decades of work to make unique cultivars that taste a certain way, grow a certain way, look away, smell away, have unique cannabinoids in there. And so if I could write a book where I can highlight all those breeders and then share a little bit of my experience and a little bit about maybe what I know, like it it won the high times cannabis cup and this year, or it's got these minor uh, cannabinoids, like this uh, red Congo that you talked about earlier, having THCV, it's supposed to be pretty high in that. It's um, interestingly not enough. It didn't get me as like super no ceiling high as some of like the sub cool stuff, like Mm -hmm. the Jack the Ripper or Jack's cleaner too which also is known to have THCV. This um, red Congolese is another thing that I didn't find out, which um, I would have loved to include this one in the book, but I didn't try it before the book. It is a green strain, so it would have worked, but it's um, it was all strains that I've tried, not necessarily all strains that I've grown. So I had to directly experience the medical impact. But the red Congolese is not truly a pure Congolese strain. It is a Congolese African sativa that was crossed to a Mexican afghani hybrid and that became very popular in california and there's some debate on the backstory of that so there's other crosses but it is known to be a hybrid now and um this group the congo club in california one of the things about the legal things that went down there was a few good things they're supposed to like expunge everybody's record who had cannabis crimes that still has yet to happen in most cases Um, but one of them was the social equity program so if you've been like busted for cannabis crime and you're like a person of color especially they'll allow you to get a permit more easily for like less money. Mm. And there's only X amount of them available. And you actually have to like, you know, be of the culture, so to speak. So this lady um, who is the owner of the Congo club, I guess is a black woman who'd been a victim of a uh, drug war, I guess. And I'm happy that she's now out and able to participate in the legal uh, environment. And she's growing indoor fucking sativas like that. So pretty special to see. Yeah. Man. And yeah, it was, I love it. That was like a cheesy, smelled like apricot with cheese Mm -hmm. and like interesting it was a funky funky smell and um i I really enjoyed the high it actually got me motivated to do my transplanting one day the first time i tried it my wife came home with this like a single gram bag as like i mentioned earlier she gets free samples occasionally Mm -hmm. and then when they actually decided to bring it on to their company she got uh it was like buy one get one eighth so we bought a glass jar eighth of the stuff and the first time I tried it, I thought it was kind of like more middle of the road high. So I guess it made sense now that I know that it's more of a hybrid. Mm. Um, I was expecting kind of like to take the fuck off. Cause when you think like THCV, it's like usually like a super racy, upbeat, soaring high. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, that wasn't necessarily the case the first time I tried it. And maybe I was like, oh, maybe I was just tired or maybe I didn't smoke enough of it. Mm-hmm. And um, when I tried it again, the glass jar, sure enough, uh, smoking a little bit more. It, it's a super clear high is the thing that I noticed. It's not like a racy high. Um, you feel it both in your body and your mind, but it is very, very focused and clear. So when I had to, I'd been putting off transplanting and I do like a low till now with like the soil. I told you about the M3 mix. I've just been reamending that for like two or three years now. Nice. And um, what I do is I've got my plants in like a one gallon. It's called an easy swap pot. It's a fabric pot that the sides snap open so you can just lift it out and transplant it easily. Mm. I'll bring oh, that up good. to my earth box. And then I have like two little hand like trowels or whatever. And uh, I don't know if trowels is the right term. <laughs> I think it's a cultivator or something. It's just like a little metal garden shovel whatever mm-hmm. sounds and, like uh, a trowel, garden trowel. trowel. Garden yeah yeah trowel. okay yeah. that's the right term then um but so i take that and i just stab basically a, roughly a square that's about the size of the easy swap pot and i pull out that much used soil and i dump it into my used soil area that i will reamend later and then i take the root ball from the current uh, potter plant and then drop it in and um, i do a few things like i drop mycorrhizal on the hole as well as uh insect frass when I'm transplanting, these are Spartan grown recommendations. I asked him because he was using the same soil and I was like, how do you remend this? And he sent me his recipe. So I, I use all of his stuff and then I added like a few extra things. So from there, um, you top dress the root ball once it's transplanted in with worm castings. And then on top of that, you do gypsum and build a soil craft blend. And I also add Bokashi earthworks, uh, Bokashi and some rice hulls and a little bit more earthworm castings on top of all that mix it all up but yeah it works really well i've been doing that now for a few years and build a soil has what they call the build a soil way Mm. where he did like tissue testing soil testing side by side with the plant where he just did their craft blend which is like 17 of their main uh amendments blended up perfectly evenly and um without any testing they were able to get through run after run with no testing just doing the build a soil way which is kind of like i described of giving them that craft blend a little bit more compost. I use earthworm castings or vermicompost as my mm-hmm. compost choice, but you can use regular compost as well. And then adding some of the aeration, like the rice hulls usually get eaten within a run, like 80 or 90% mm-hmm. of them are gone entirely. So I have to re-add those to just make sure you're not getting soil compaction. That's why I prefer um, pumice. My soil started with perlite and I've since mixed in pumice to avoid compaction because mm-hmm. otherwise that soil turns into like a mud and gets really hard for the roots to grow through. Yeah. That's Especially cool. with as much earthworm castings as I use, like a third earthworm castings, they can tend to get a little bit mucky and muddy. So do you have a you worm have, like, farm or do you buy the worm castings? I don't. My wife, that was one of the areas she drew the line. She's like, no worm farm. <laughs> I was like, even if it's out there, well, we have cats and they we all have to ask it. permission from the wife, don't we? We do got to draw a line somewhere, man. She, uh, happy wife, happy life. And she <laughs> actually is the man. one. She got me growing again and uh, has supported all the seed purchases when I was buying seeds for probably too much money. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's been great throughout the whole entire thing, letting me grow what I want to grow and uh, just being really supportive about all of it. So I couldn't be happier. She lets me come on podcasts like this and spend hours at a time. Uh, even though she's not home right now, she's off at work doing her thing, being a weed boss lady. Nice. But um, even on like Sunday, she's always here 
and I do my growing with my fellow growers show mm-hmm. for two hours and then have a half hour after that where I type up a little description of what happened on the show and download it and then re-upload it to a podcast platform so all the people that don't listen on YouTube can listen oh, on cool. the podcast. So are you in is Shane still around for the growing with my fellow growers? Nope. No. Well, he's he's been stop, gone. He? Yeah, life and he's just a. Uh, he was kind of like just dipping his toes in this, and then I think mm-hmm. he realized it wasn't necessarily the most for him, mm-hmm. as as much as uh, his health started depreciating. I guess he was like gaining weight. This is even prior to the pandemic, not getting out and doing a lot of the exercise and stuff that he like do. Like it was, I think, impacting his hockey. And he's a big hockey right. guy. Yeah, yeah. He's like the best, highest goal scorer in his league, and uh, I think it was just noticing an impact on his health probably mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. physically and mentally and just wanted to take the step away and when he did yeah. probably was a lot happier and i don't blame so him if he doesn't doing this podcast back. thing it's not for everybody is it it's, it's not easy it's not as easy as the listeners would think it doesn't just commitment. do itself <laughs> right well and especially when like people like my dumb ass come on his show and uh i called out a breeder they claim that they have every single cut so oh, the runs is out there and now they've got runs S1 and uh, ice cream cakes out there. So they got ice cream cake S1. Really, who knows mm. if they actually have any of it mm. or all, of, you know, I, I distrust that. But the thing that was really damning to me, was like, I watched them on a live stream say, I've got your addresses. I'll call the cops on you and the report fuck? you, blah, 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 blah. What the so I'm like, hell? okay, this is a person that I can't support. So I said that on the stream. I was like, avoid this person. You know, they're toxic and that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And so one of his uh, seed reps, not even himself, hears about this from somebody who listens to the show who probably got seeds from him like hey is this true about copy blah 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 blah. and so he's like this guy i think is actually like addicted to like other drugs like his name's so high something on instagram and he just like does these you know the stories where there's like a zillion of them like you have to tap through it a hundred times and you're still like only a quarter of the way through somebody's instagram story Mm -hmm. wow this dude is like a stream of consciousness just like rambling Mm -hmm. and like talks about like hookers and like guns and like he's just very uh it seems like he's on coke or some other mm-hmm. stimulant mm-hmm. drug more it's than just like cannabis. a little bit yeah it's definitely not cannabis, stoner vibe yeah cannabis to him is is a money-making procedure that's it the whole his whole origin story was he bought like a pack or two and then he sold them for like double the price they were worth uh because somebody else was interested enough to pay double what he bought them for and then from that point he became a distributor because he's like oh i could sell seeds for money like fuck i'll do that and like copycat wasn't mad about it apparently so they now work together but uh the worst part of it was he went on to start threatening on his stories and tagging Shane at the Cheap Home Grow podcast saying, yo, I'll fucking find you. Because, you know, Shane used to say, like, I'm Shane blank, his last name. I'm not going to say it yeah. because mm-hmm. he's Remember, since deleted yeah. all those episodes with his name on him where it used to go mm-hmm. like, dun, dun, dun. welcome to the Cheap Home Grow podcast. Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like he had some other guy do that little recording. But then he'd say, hi, this is Shane, last name, mm-hmm. <laughs> full fucking name. And uh, he's from a fairly small area on the East Coast. So this, this mm-hmm. dude so high is near enough to that area that like he's within a few hour drive and he starts making threats like I'm going to fucking come like gun you down type shit. Wow, man. And uh, like tagging him on a story. And I'm like, I felt terrible about that, obviously, because like I was the one who said it, not him. And mm-hmm. now that we've got this fucking unhinged person spouting off on their story about how they're going to like commit violence and using this guy's first and last name. And um, it was just a dark time, I think, for me, as far as like podcasting goes. I'm like, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, man. And um, unfortunate. Oh, quite down that, now, right? The guy he actually, him. the funniest thing is like when I talked to Shane like a year later, he had, he'd forgotten all about that. All right. <laughs> that was like not even a major part of why he left. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I, I forgot that even happened. 
he was maybe it was just downplaying it or something, but he really seemed like it was more the other stuff that pulled him away. Mm. So I'm I'm happy that he's happy and he's put um that negativity shit behind him and the the good stuff has kind of been able to keep rolling because he gave me all the keys to all the mm. accounts to uh, or at least the YouTube account and the Zoom. Yeah. Um so I could keep it rolling and I don't know. The people have been pretty happy, I think, and I'm happy that we're able to keep going. It's it's my yeah, that's cool. one of my favorite things to do every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is fun, you know. I say it's not for everybody, but for those who do enjoy it, it's good hobby. It's good fun doing this shit. You know, I I enjoy producing the podcast, but it, it, it's undeniably a lot of work. Yeah, and I don't even really do too much editing. I just write up a description and download and upload it. But like my internet, fucking tells me that i've used x amount like i thought i had unlimited and they're like you've used 90 percent of your uh, data for this month or whatever so like one wow. day it'll tell me uh, or i'll download the podcast and take five minutes and then i'll upload it and it'll be like okay podcast is out by 6 30 and then like the next week i go and download the podcast because it's like i get the video and the audio from youtube i just mm. hit download mm-hmm. and then on uh, anchor i upload that and it'll put the video on spotify but it'll just drag the audio for most podcast platforms mm-hmm. and that time can be like a five minute download and like a 15 to 20 minute upload uh, on the short end to like hour plus download and hour and a half upload. So it's just like, that's a little bit annoying. And video is extra. That's a lot of, that's a lot of data, but you have to upload and download all the time. Yeah. And it's funny because I end up just deleting them off my computer because they're stored on so many podcast platforms. I'm like, if we get Mm -hmm. deleted at this point, it's like, at least Stitcher will still be there because yeah. Shane deleted them off of all the YouTube. But if you want to go back and listen to all mm-hmm. our OG episodes, like Stitcher, that platform, mm-hmm. I, I've tried. You can't even go back and like delete them. Like they're just permanently out there. So no way. Like our Josie Wales interview, we're the only person who's yeah. ever interviewed interviewed Josie Wales, the G4 creator. Yep. What's that? So I remember that interview. Yeah, who's Josie we were, Wales? Am I missing something here? Gorilla Glue, man. GG4, Gorilla Glue number four, the guy. Josie Wales is the one who found it and created it. Oh, cool. And so, like, he came on our show because he was actually kind of buddies with Brandon Rust. And um, from there, he never did another show and unfortunately ended up passing away. Oh, um, so that's the only ever interview. You can look all over the internet. You can't find Josie Wales of GG4 talking about it. The actual origin of the strain, like what genetics it came from, why he named it that. It's just like, it was a really, uh, for me, as somebody who's loved UG4 for a long time, it's great medicine. Mm-hmm. It was cool to be able to talk to you firsthand and hear the story, like from the horse's mouth. Like, yeah, it was mm-hmm. so cool. And I was so bummed because I thought that was gone forever. Like, when this whole thing happened with the guy threatening him and him stepping away and getting rid of anything that said his first and last name on it. And that was basically like all of our episodes from like one to like 74 and uh, a ton of ind- individual interviews before that. Like he interviewed the guy who started normal, the fucking mm-hmm. founder of normal national organization for reforming marijuana laws in the U S back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy's like a, an icon in the cannabis movement. Yeah. And you, like you guys have had fucking a, a ton. I was just looking, <laughs> I was trying to find a Twitter DM from Mackie and I <laughs> couldn't find Mackie on Instagram. I don't even know if you have an Instagram, but I looked all over Instagram for me. Uh, no, because uh, I run the main account. So this is high and homegrown. Is what you're okay. Finding. So then I looked at the high and homegrown and I'm like, well, I don't have the DM here. So maybe it was from Percy. And I look at Percy's grow room and I don't get a DM over there. And I'm like, because that was the one that was tagged on the high and homegrown. So I go onto your website. You guys need to put your social medias 
for all of you so people could find you like i know it <laughs> seems redundant because it's like we're the same us every time i couldn't even find the fuck where you guys were i'm like i got a bag on you a little bit like i love your website and all the shit but uh i couldn't find any of your information other than like the high on homegrown page but ultimately mm-hmm. that dm ended up getting to you and you're like oh it was on twitter is where we had the conversation i was like oh shit yeah we got here anyway so it all worked out yeah, but which website did you go to the high on homegrown.com I believe so, yeah. Cool. Or maybe percysgroom.com. Yeah, there's like so much shit out there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking everywhere, man. It's shocking. But yeah, it's yeah, hard it. to find us sometimes. We're out there. And we, yeah, like you were saying, we've had so many fucking people on the show when you, when you go to the... Uh, when you look it was amazing. I saw all the little photos. And like some of them are repeat people. Like a Tommy Chong, you've had like several mm-hmm. times on. And yeah, five was... times now, Tommy Chong's been on. We, we on the last time he was on, he was, you know, we wanted to make it more regular thing so we'll be seeing yep. every but bi-monthly he'll be on every other month with tommy that's badass man he's yeah. one of my favorites i got to meet him personally in person uh Sweet. a year ago now i think my wife won an instagram giveaway from <laughs> dank city and it was like you had to follow like 70 people on instagram and i was like this is bullshit i'm not doing it tommy's got millions <laughs> of followers what the fuck are the chances of us actually winning this so she did it anyway and tagged x amount of people blah 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 so she won an event where you could go and meet Tommy Chong at Lowell Cafe, which was the first ever cannabis cafe in California where you could go and legally smoke. You know, they could rent out bongs to you or pipes or you could buy pre-rolls or their weed. I went in and I paid $35 to have an unbottling fee, which like a when you bring your own wine to a restaurant, they charge you like a cork fee or whatever. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, it was to bring in your own weed. And I'm like, I'm not paying for their shit ass weed. I'm bringing my own shit. Mm-hmm. So I had a big ass jar of uh, Chernobyl. Uh aka slimer from Subcool, uh really like lime slurpy margarita kind of you know and then i had a strawberry daiquiri which was a uh, strawberry cough from kyle cushman and um jack the ripper from Subcool. and i just had these two big ball jars and then i had like six pre-roll joints and a little wooden raw box so well prepared then i was well stocked for sure yeah. <laughs> but i was not allowed to sit at the table because there was no plus ones it was a 10 person what? 10 Ooh. people one 10 people won the event and they said no wives, no friends, no girlfriends, whatever. Like there's 10 chairs at this little table, like in a little outdoor area. And then I'm sitting up at the bar. (laughs) I'm like up at the bar. It was funny because they actually did need somebody to roll shit later. Like they didn't even have Chong's (laughs) choice. They had uh, this dude, Loud Packs J who brought the weed or whatever for the rest of the people. But I had my own shit still. So I'm over there sitting, smoking my first joint, second joint. Wife rolls up and she's like, hey, can I, you know, grab your weed and show Tommy? I'm like hell yeah so um on vid like i think i might have videotaped or like took him pictures at the time but they had like a full professional film crew videoing the whole event and um they actually captured tommy opening and smelling my jar and his reaction he's like you know cracks it open he's like "Ooh!" like he like makes this really big facial reaction no nice. and then uh she looks at him uh, uh, he looks at my wife and goes did you grow this like where's this from he's like oh my husband grew it he's sitting right over there and so they break some down, start smoking it up. And he's like, this is good shit. Like, you said your husband grew this? And he's like, yeah. He's Bring him over to there. me. <laughs> Bring him over to the table. Like, fucking pull up a chair. Pull him up a chair. Pull up a chair at the end of the table. So they pull. And every other, like, plus one, like, the husbands, wives, like, we're all kind of sitting in a similar area, like, watching the event. So there's Tommy Chong over there. And we're mostly stoners, like, wishing we could be involved. And I, like, get the call. And I'm like, like you know, looking over my shoulder, like, doing that whole, like, me? Me? <laughs> me? And I'm like talking to this uh, lady who uh, i've become friends with the guy going scotty his wife um at the time and i'm like i'm sorry but i gotta go <laughs> like i pull out my seat and i like run around the corner and I, like 
go sit down at that chair for the next three and a half hours proceeded to smoke joint after fucking joint with tommy chong and he didn't tap out for until three hour mark you know like he smoked three hours worth of joints with us all at the table was super humble super cool like, you guys know this because he's been on the show <laughs> mm-hmm. but he's just like he you would expect him to be from the movies mm-hmm. from his interviews like it's not like he has a good pr person he is that person yeah like you'd wish they say don't meet your heroes don't meet celebrities if tommy chong is one of your heroes please hopefully meet him if you mm-hmm. can while he's here because he is everything you want him to be. At least he was for me in those yeah, events. So I don't cool want to put man. the pressure because maybe yeah. he'll be having a bad day. And if you like accost him in the street when he's getting into his car with his wife or someone trying to go home, it's a different story than he's at an event where he's meant to meet up with the people and things like that. But from what I've seen in every single interaction with you guys, uh, all the interactions he's had with his fans, multiple interviews, multiple movies, television, all the stuff that I've seen and heard, he's just a genuine dude who mm-hmm. loves cannabis. This mm-hmm. is a great, great person. He's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was an honor to, to blow away Tommy Chong, like for him to be impressed by my weed, like very yeah. impressed. Like after the, all the different kinds of weeds he smoked over all these years. Oh, yeah. It was definitely like a uh, very cool big pat on my own back. You know, like I could do this shit on my closet. We all think like, oh, my shit's better than dispensaries or my shit's like as good as their shit. Mm-hmm. But until you get like you start giving it out to other people and people that have really tried a ton of shit, it, uh, it makes you feel better. He, mm-hmm. he might've just been trying to be nice, but I definitely think like his reaction, it was one of those, um, I've had those reactions where I open up a jar, like velvet punch, the one I'm growing right now. The reason that I have bred it to F2 and now F3 is because every time I smell it, I'm not a religious person. So no offense to anybody out there who is, I'm not trying to use the Lord's no, name. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> but every time I scratch the jar, worry. I just release an involuntary Oh my God. It just comes out of my mouth. I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't stop myself from saying it. Like, and it could be like three or four times in a row. My my common one is I just go, Jesus. (laughs) There you go. Right. It's like funny. Like maybe they want to have that blaspheming way of enjoying our weed. Jobless fucking Mm. holy shit, man. It's like, uh, it it really just like, it could just be like a goddamn or like, oh my God. Like, but for him, it was like a, Ooh. And he like looked mm. back at it and he like smelled it again and uh, invited me over to the table. So I knew it was not like a, this guy grows mids. Let's invite him over. Like he was like, let's get this rolled up and smoked. And the dude next to him who had grown the weed for the table, uh, loud packs, Jay has like a few commercial farms. And he's like, oh man, I missed when I was growing in like the under 20 light days. It's like, cause he actually pointed out my wife's joint. She was smoking it. And he's like, whose joint is that and he runs over to her and like looks at it he's like this ash is so fucking white and like hits it and he's like this is some good ass shit and like hands back to her he has like fucking dreads he's like kind of a wild dude he's like a i don't, I don't know if he raps but he looks like he would be a rapper and uh <laughs> he was an interesting dude and um really hype individual mm-hmm. but the fact that he like pointed out the white ash really appreciated the good weed and also was stoked when i came over and uh shared my weed with the table that's cool it was a it was a great experience. I'll never forget 100%. You said that 2018? I think it was about then. God, I, I don't know the exact date. I, I have it on Instagram. <laughs> I have the That's video. Cool. I have the proof. I'm in the background on a few of them because I'm, like I said, I'm at the end of the table. So, like, I'm mm-hmm. only kind of like they're doing like a pan and everybody's sitting like Tommy's mid table, right? You've got like three people to his left and like four people to his right. And then you've got like the, you know, six or five people across the other side. Mm-hmm. But so most of the camera angles are like shooting Tommy and like, you know, the person next to him or like talking to the person across the table from him. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like lingering at the uh, end of the table down there. But... <laughs> it's like the guy, the photo bombing and on the selfie there in the back end. Hey, over here. Couldn't have been I'd happier. It, man. It's my weed he's smoking. 
That's I would it. have sat on my knees at the fucking table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I would have stood if I needed to or whatever exactly. it had to, had to be. But yeah, I definitely um, super grateful for that experience and to even like have the opportunity to go up there and do that. Living out here in California, like you guys might have been able to do it, but you'd have to fucking get a plane ticket and fly. And it'd be a yeah, huge... it's not even a short trip as well. It's hours and hours away. Yeah, really long for you, Mackie. <sighs> I'd love to as well. One day, one day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to. You'll do it. I believe it. It's uh, hopefully when the world starts being a little bit more normal again, we'll have I was, some I was travel past that, mate. I don't think we're going back to as it was. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. as it was, but the COVID will... might be over, but the, the world's gone fucking mad. Yeah, we're, we've always been mad, but I think uh, we'll just, as far as like a little bit more regularity and travel, giving some people the freedoms mm-hmm. to travel from country to country again, I think we're still on the more restricted end than we've been in the last four or five years. Man, if I was going to go to California, I'd be messaging everybody like, Swami, bro, I'm, I'm on my way <laughs> over. Really, man. I'm going to come visit you, okay? And then Tommy and go see Ed. Go, go see up, so many people yeah. out there. I'll just, I'll just Head up like, the coast, man. go see Chad. Yeah, all those guys, you know man. I'm saying that would be the shit. You got to plan it, man. Make it happen. It's uh, yeah, it's yeah. possible. The people are really receptive to it. They're like, shit, if you're here, let me know. Fucking, I'll make time to get lunch or have dinner and blaze down and hook no, you up fat for your when, it, when it's legal in the UK, I'm going to have to do it. Because then I can show my face on camera because I'm going to have to get film of that. Like, selfies and shit with everybody. Like, yo, it's me, Mackie. I'm out here in the Emerald Triangle. Right now, I'm chilling <laughs> here, smoking a split with Swami and Nikki. Same. You do that, that you do that now, but you just post it in like two years and you're like, this is from 2022. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a like good that idea, man. man. I like that plan. That's a good idea. Yeah. Shit. Oh, at least you'd have some some proof it happened, man. I like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. You'd have the OG street cred too. And uh funny enough, like I wanted going back, not to make it all about the book. I know, I know that's not the whole reason I came on the show today, but um one of the things that I wanted to do was to highlight the OGs and the, and the green strains first. Cause when I made my list, I was co uh, concurrently making 50 strains of purple and 50 strains of green. So I had my 50 list over here and my 50 mm-hmm. list over here. I was going through picking out all my strains, trying to fill it out. And I actually finished green first, but I do think that there's more purple strains in modern times. Mm. So I didn't want people to forget about a lot of the, uh, kind of hallmark classic strains mm-hmm. and there's been other books like cannabibles that covered some that i haven't had as much direct experience with like some older strains and things like that but some of the ones that i do have experience with i included in the book and i feel like we're important to uh include as like a, a homage home base you know that, that everybody kind of needs to have this little bit of history uh in one place so then they can understand 50 strands of purple because if you don't know about like chem dog or I don't know any of the other things that are listed in here hazes and stuff like that it's hard to understand when i'm like describing this as an opposite effect of a haze or something you know Mm -hmm. like like girl scout cookies is so far away from haze on the spectrum that as far as highs go um that's a perfect reason of what that counteracts the argument of my friend back in the day that everything just makes you smoke eat and fall asleep because haze you will be up all night Mm -hmm. (laughs) biting your fingernails and like you know, questioning life. And uh, the other thing was they delete, they delete so much shit. They delete our YouTubes. There was Mm -hmm. a purge a few years ago where they deleted basically all content creation from YouTube Mm -hmm. that was not child-friendly because they wanted advertisers, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So the purge happened and we've come back since then, but um, that gets, you know, forums get deleted um, from overgrow to um, a lot of like the classics are either no longer with us or like, some of those uh, posts get deleted or just, you know, 
hard to find and algorithms and things like that. Yeah. When, when you get a hard copy, this is actually a paperback book, but like something that's you can we can't really see because you a green screen thing. Here we go. I'll hold it down here. <laughs> but yeah. Sweet. Um, I could also turn off my green screen here for a second. And you'll see my lovely uh the background. Yes. My non-virtual oh, background. Let's see. Choose virtual background. And then we're gonna go none. And you'll see a window with a Mandela and a light behind me. But here we go. Uh 50 strands of green. This is uh you can see this is actually the first edition. It's a little bit glossier. Uh, the second edition I have right way two editions nice so the the editions are all 50 of the same uh, strains I just corrected typos and I had a professional formatter reach out to me a uh, shout out to ancient soul grown he made it so the formatting was able to uh like I'll give you an example let me put my mic down hopefully you can still hear me it yep. won't be as loud but all righty so here's the second edition Here's the first edition. There's slightly different shades of green. Uh, and this one's actually a little bit, uh, sh the first edition is eight and a half by 11, standard American piece of paper. The second edition is more like a nine by, uh, it's a little bit taller and skinnier, essentially. Okay. So, um, but I'll show you a page that really highlights what he did. Um, so page two, Jack the Ripper. This was how I laid the photos out because I'm not a professional formatter. And mm -hmm. you can see there's a lot of white spaces in between all those uh, photos of the strain, yeah. Jack the Ripper. And they're kind of just slapped on the page. They look acceptable. I mean, you could see all the photos are frosty. The camera's not going to pick it up perfectly, but mm -hmm. it shows off what the strains look like. It gives you an idea. And then on the other side, I've got my text and stuff. So I'll show you like, here's the text because I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, You've got up top the breeder, the like flowering time and weeks, um, the yield, the aroma, the reported effects, and the chemotype, and then my personal experience. But looking at the photos, this is the same exact strain, and you see how clean mm -hmm. the usage of space yeah. is now. Yeah, just by changing the uh, sizes slightly, I guess. He made the yeah, so fish. he resized where necessary. And like another one was uh, Jack Herrera. He, I'll show you like the OG Kush on the new version. He put the logo more centralized yeah. and it fills out the paper perfectly. And I'll go to the first edition here. And my OG Kush rendition. OG Kush logo is at the bottom. The gapping is inconsistent. You got a really big gap there, almost no gap there. Right. And there's some overlap of the imaging. So although it's acceptable, um, this is my, I'm an independent publisher. Yeah, I got yeah. this all done myself locally at a local printing press. No Amazon, no Google, no one else involved awesome. other than Jack Greenstock. Well done, man. And, it's not, not an easy task nowadays, mate. Right. So it, it was a totally independent project. And shout out to um, Sequence MI. He's the one who did the cover design, which is called a perfect bound. He used to work at a printing thing. So instead of having like a, a back cover and a front cover and then a spine, it is actually mm -hmm. all one piece. And it wraps wrap, all right. the way around. And uh, so the spine has all the little information. It says like 50 strands of green, Jack Greenstock. And then the first or second edition. Second edition is in silver. First edition is in gold. Kind of like first metal, like gold metal. Nice. Second. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But even though this second edition silver is probably a little bit better rendition because I fixed some typos and uh, made improvements with the formatting. I'm definitely really proud of it, to be honest. It, yeah, you it should be, man. That I put a lot of work into and 
Although, um, oops, I just turned off my video. <laughs> Chilbert in the chat here says, uh, I have the book and it's very good. Well, thank you, Chilbert. And I appreciate that. I was happy to be able to get them international because uh, shipping there, I actually lost money on the first edition for every international book because I wow. didn't know what the shipping was going to cost. Mm -hmm. So I sold all those first. If you have a first edition, <laughs> you uh, made money on old Jack. You James still owe him money. No, oh, go pay up. Send me money. I need tree fitty. I'm coming tree for you. <laughs> I need that goddamn tree fitty. But, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> goddamn, and I looked up, and it was just a box of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> goddamn Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, fucking, I love South Park. We, we all go on oh. about the tree fitty. Because our Patreon, it's, so funny. it's probably different nowadays because inflation's all over the place, but our Patreon yeah. is uh, $420, but $350 in pounds. It's, you know, that's great. <laughs> like that's month. like a 420 69 meme, but even better. Yeah, you know, you get the tree fitty and the 420 all mm -hmm. in one. It's easy to spam the patron when you when it's like that, you know, you have a 420 or tree fitty for the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, that's funny, man. It's uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out because I know I made it mainly for myself because I just I love cannabis. I grew up reading High Times and looking at all the pretty photos and uh, fantasizing about getting to try the strains and then moving to California and trying basically many of the ones that I read about and fell mm -hmm. in love with and also highlighting the breeders because so many of them get knocked off by copycat genetics or mm -hmm. other renditions of that yeah. people um, no offense to you guys over there but the European seed banks are some of the worst offenders of taking let's say uh, supernova gardens made purple punch that's going to be featured in 50 strains of purple well, they don't sell seeds of Purple Punch because it's a clone. They found a really killer phenotype of a Granddaddy Purple crossed to a Larry OG. And if you look at those two parent strains, like Larry OG is pretty damn good. Granddaddy Purple is like a little on the weaker side, but heavy potent medicine. But the fucking Purple Punch that came from it and all the crosses that come off of the Purple Punch are just a whole nother monster. Like he found essentially the cotton candy grape of cannabis in that one because it's just mm. like it's such a sweet grape flavor but it's so fucking frosty it's way frostier than any granddaddy purple or larry og it, it took like both parents you know got rid of all the shitty elements and like made them both better and the only thing is people will call it purple punch list that's because they harvest it week six seven eight when it's a week nine or ten plant it looks ready at week six seven and eight because it's frosty and it's starting to turn purple but if you take it eight nine or not eight if you take it nine or ten weeks i recommend ten full mm. 70 days Mm -hmm. purple punch will punch it's more of a indica leaning hybrid and you'll feel it and it tastes great but people chop it way too early and people run it for hash so they want it to be like lighter colored hash so they chop it week six seven whatever I'm like no it's not even <laughs> it's medicine it's medicine in a way for some people mm -hmm. but in my opinion uh in my perspective i think it's a little better if you let it really ripen out and Man, the crosses just... from it are just as good or better oftentimes that was the last thing i want to say on that you just mentioned fucking cotton candy grapes and you know, I know you meant the strain, but that reminds me that there is like grapes out there that taste like candy floss. We call it here in the UK. Cotton no, candy. no, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is the actual cotton candy grape? It's a cross oh, right. of princess and like Alabama three two one nine or whatever. That's my shit, man. I love that shit, and I haven't had any for ages. And now you said that I'm looking at the clock. It's like it's nine o'clock. That's still like an hour and a half until the supermarkets close. So <laughs> I'm gonna go get myself some of them. They're a little pricey, but my wife gets them and they do sure as fuck taste like cotton candy. And that same group who found that cross is, uh, first of all, it's not genetically modified. They're not taking like some other stuff and splicing it in. They mm. crossed two known grape varieties 
and they found a very special phenotype in a huge mm-hmm. field field study and they've also found ones i guess that taste like mango have since then so cool. whenever those, those get released i'd love to try that because i love mango too and to have that in a grape would be fucking awesome yeah. they're good and any we'll, listeners out there who haven't tried them we're just hearing about that now you need to try those grapes they are it's worth just... it at least once like mm-hmm. shell out the six or ten bucks or whatever the fuck they hose you for a, a bushel in, or a bag much on top of extra great you know if you buy normal grapes it's only like an extra pound or two on top of those it's worth and they're it. great they're worth it for sure even if you don't love grapes just to try it to get the smell and the taste and be able to say you've experienced like, it really no fucking like way they do actually taste like cotton candy <laughs> you don't want to believe it until you fucking try it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it really is one of those things it's like oh, I remember when i first came across like it. Them. Yeah, my friend was like, yeah, candy floss grapes. You tried these? I'm like, no, nah, what are you talking about? Let me try that. And he's like, no fucking way. And that's like the only grapes I've eaten since. I love that shit. Mm-mm. They're so good. They're so mm-hmm. good. It's a, definitely a unique one. But yeah, kind of was comparing the fact that they took two ordinary strains. And, and Larry OG is not ordinary. Larry OG is great. Granity Purple is great. But they took two great strains and made... A legendary one in my opinion mm. the, and like i said the crosses from purple punch are as good or better that's why i really am a fan of the velvet punch but even before that i was a fan of the jack spike punch or it was just called spiked punch but the dude dojo dna who sent it to me wrote jack's print like you know spiked punch because it was for me mm. so when i typed in hashtag spiked punch on instagram it's a bunch of drink recipes and shit and people drinking cocktails and so i'm like well i can't post this and be buried in a pile of spiked punch things that no one's ever going to see this so mm. i did hashtag jack's spiked punch because that's what was written on the bag and so i could find those posts and um i'm glad i did because it had like pink resin it was the biggest yielding plant i've ever grown this was when i, under, when I was doing cocoa and cmh one gallon pots and um i don't want to like overquote, but i want to say each plant did a little over six ounces in a nice. one gallon pot Damn. of cocoa and I had a, a third plant, which was Chernobyl, that got bullied into the corner of the room because these fucking Jack Spike Punch just stretched up and like I had to bend them over. And it was just like giant cola, giant cola, giant cola, giant cola, giant cola. Like I had set like multiple 11 to 14 gram top nugs in a five square foot space. And the Chernobyl plant ended up being like this tiny little cylinder that was like pushed into the corner of the room just where I could fit it because like the, velvet, or the spiked punch took over everything. So like that was my largest harvest in, in that tent, which was like a little over an ounce of the Chernobyl one, six plus six. So it's like 13 ounces out of five square feet and uh, oh, only vegged for 30 days. So from seed, mm-hmm. like from the day I wet the seed, 30 days later flipped and had six ounces out of a one gallon pot of cocoa. It blew me away mm-hmm. what I could do because I used to run five cocoa plants in one gallon pots. And I dropped it down to three because like it was a male thing. I popped uh, 15 of those Jack Spike Punch and uh, 13 of them were males. <laughs> so oh, shit. I had two females Ouch. of Jack Spike Punch. I kept every one of them too because I had just started doing the Farmer Freeman sex testing. I'm like, there's no fucking way, dude. There's no fucking way. <laughs> I popped all these <laughs> seeds and I got three females out of 16 fucking seeds. I only popped like one Chernobyl. Damn. And thankfully it was female. And then I popped 15 of the Spike Punch. And I kept them and I flowered them in my veg space just to make sure they were males. And sure enough, all of them were males. I even have pictures of them. And that's what made me, when I grew the um, Velvet Punch, which is a different cross. I'll pull it up on my phone so I don't fuck it up. But they're both purple punch crosses from a dude named Vegan underscore Doja, also known as Doja, D-O-J-A, D-N-A on Instagram. 
And the first one, the, let's see, Jack Spiked Punch. Let me scroll down to it. Okay, here it is. Purple Punch is Larry OG to Granite Purple, like I mentioned, crossed to his Del Norte Fuel, or Del Norte Fuel, I should say, which is Mexican Land Race, crossed to Chem 4, crossed to OG Kush, which was back crossed twice, and then crossed that to GG4. So that was the Jack Spiked Punch, so I called it, but it was just really Spiked Punch. And that's the one that had the six uh, ounce yields out of one gallon Cocoa Pots under the um, 315 CMH. That's impressive, then, man. That's impressive numbers. So when I grew the Velvet Punch out, F1s as well, uh, let me pull up the Velvet Punch cross as I do this. Um, as I grew that, I had males, the regular seeds, right? So I was like, last time I kept 13 males and flowered them because I didn't trust Farmer Freeman or whatever. And since then, I've, I've trusted them. I've had over 100 tests and only one actually ended up being a male when it said it was female. And I think that was me mislabeling like the tags more than mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. doing anything but uh it ended up not causing too much issue I, I pulled the male and replaced it with the female that i kept but the other 100 times out of 101 he was accurate so I, i'm not going to hold that against him um but when i took the velvet punch i sex tested him as well and i was like well i'm going to keep the best male I, I went through and i popped like 20 of them and um i had like 15 that were going good through solo cups and up potted the best like i don't know however many and I made intentionally made F2s because I was like, you know what? I really like this guy's seeds. He gave me like 10 or 20 pack or whatever of each one. But I asked him, I'm like, hey, can I make these F2s so I have more of them? And like, maybe I can hand them out to some of my friends and, you know, spread your work and like get your name out there. He's like, absolutely, dude. Fucking hell yeah. I'd love for you to, you know, get people seeds. And he's always been a great guy. And uh, so I tried it out. And sure enough, the F2s, not as big of a yielder. I did seed them. So obviously that's going to make a major impact and have mm. for the F1 and F2 generation. But I do think that the uh, quote Jack spike punch would have been a, a larger yielder, but I do think that this cross is more of a purple plant, which is actually what I was looking for. Um, I wanted to make like a purple male so that I could a, a project that I've abandoned. I wanted to do an inbred purple male with the velvet punch so that I could have a pure purple male that I would know if I cross that to a green male, like J1, a cut here in San Diego. Mm. Um, the crew who kind of taught me how to grow cocoa, they're related to the guy who bred the J1. Uh, Jack Herrera, skunk number one. It's a famous clone. It's yeah, like a yeah. three plus a light yielder, really piney, really uplifting. Mm -hmm. um, amazing pheno, one of my favorite smokes. I'm a Jack Herrera snob, and that's like the only Jack Herrera cross that I think is acceptable. All the other ones in my experience, like Black Jack and... I don't know. Other Jacks haven't been as good mm. that are like just a Jack, regular Jack cross. Like Jack, the Ripper is a good one. It has Jack stuff kind of in it, but it's not a Jack career cross. Anyway, I wanted to make J1 available from seed by having a stable purple male cr and cross that to J1. Cause in the F1 generation, I would be able to say, okay, anything that leans purple is velvet punch. Anything that leans green is J1. So I'd pick the greenest Fino at F1 of let's say I F8 did Velvet Punch to make a purple male. Um, I would F1 that, pick the most green one, and then back cross that to the J1 mother. And then from that generation, the J1 BX1, I'd pick the most green phenos and then back cross that J1 again, second, and so on. And by the time you BX3, BX4, you're kind of like Cinderella 99 territory where you're like 
97 to 99% of mm-hmm. the mother's genetics are in that following seed line. So I would have effectively J1 available from seed, mm-hmm. which unfortunately the Velvet Punch F1s turned purple at day 21. And it's really hard to breed for purple, in my opinion, unless you have like a lot of time to do mm-hmm. concurrent generations because in a big stock of the F1s, because I actually ended up sending the dude back uh, most of his F1 stock for like Jack Spike Punch and other stuff. And, um, but the reason I say it's hard to breed for purple is because you don't know in veg if it's purple or not. You have to wait yeah. until flower. Mm-hmm. So you flip and it's like, which ones? I don't know. I don't fucking know. I'll flip a bunch and then maybe, you know, keep cuts and the ones that turn the most purple or the turn purple as soonest. I'll keep those or whatever. Well, I thought I did a good job at F1. <laughs> I bred with the parents who turned purple at day 20, 21 in flower. It's pretty fucking early. Mm. Purple on the leaves. They were black by the time they were done flowering at nine Sweet. weeks, 10 weeks. Mm. So I'm like, these are great to breed with. They're super purple. Some of the best most beautiful frosty purple plants i've ever grown even seeded i was getting more compliments on those than other plants that i've grown unseeded so i'm like this is a beautiful plant it smells great it smokes great my wife told me if this is the only thing i could ever smoke for the rest of my life i'd be okay with that so that on top of my own oh my god every time i smelled it <laughs> anything it's it's worth working with so I'll, i teased the cross earlier and i never ended up saying it it's uh, again by doja dna the f1 was purple punch which is larry og crossed granddaddy purple mm-hmm. and that was um that's the female purple punch. And then the male is what he called cookie seven, which was thin mint girl scout cookie crossed to black velvet Kush, which is the Mexican sativa crossed to chem four. And then that was crossed to OG Kush. So this one has more cookie in it and no GG four and a little less OG. So very interesting. Mm. Both crosses, mm-hmm. great flavor. I'd say it's like a mix of like gasoline and like grape smarties like a grape kool-aid powder like pure grape candy which comes from methyl anthranolate methyl anthranolate is not a terpene it is an ester and if you look at terpene tests for purple punch they're always really low even though purple punch is some of the stankiest shit in any room you open up a bag of purple punch just it'll outsmell gassy stuff and it's like Mm -hmm. a grapey thing like what the fuck is that so i googled artificial grape (laughs) chemical and sure enough, it says methyl anthranolate is used to make artificial grape flavoring for candies, medicines, drinks, whatever. So I Google methyl anthranolate cannabis. Sure enough, top 10 volatile organic compounds coming off of cannabis sativa L in study for drug dogs. Because they wanted to, you know, what, what can we smell through the bag? So if drug mm. dogs can bust people. And like number six on the list was methyl anthranolate. And it was before a bunch of terpenes. Like the first terpene was like limonene at like number 10 or something. Like mercy yeah. like nine or something. But um, there was a bunch of like esters and aldehydes and shit that I'd never heard of, but it confirmed to me this thing that's also found in Concord grapes, the purple grapes that you don't, when you go to the supermarket, you get like green grapes or the red grapes for the most part, you're not getting like purple grapes that make jellies, jams, and the uh, sweeteners. It's also found in like Yang Lang. So it's like a natural thing. So even though I call it the artificial grape sweetener, it's from a natural plant. Cannabis is naturally grown. You're not adding any artificial additives to the soil to get it to come out. It's just mm-hmm. in the genetic material is available. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting one. Uh, mostly a hybrid high you feel it for me at least in the head and in the body yeah i've had purple a punch earlier. before purple punch was a lovely strain it had got kind of a coca-cola flavor to it it was different man. different but i enjoyed I love that strain very sweetness. much yeah it's shame it's gone <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> thing you know they all get smoked eventually eventually they all go away still there Whenever my ability to get seeds international comes about, I'll uh, make sure to get you some. The F2s oh, yes, have gone through testing. I sent out 750 of those seeds. Uh, so that's like 75 people got a 10-pack, roughly. 
Uh, some of them got fatter packs, like a 40 pack, some of the later people. Um, and some people I had to send multiple to because they didn't make it. But um, of that, like 30 of them grew it. And like 10 of them were veterans, so I don't expect the veterans to grow it. They could stick in the vault. They could grow it whenever they want, need it, whatever. But uh, I'm happy with like 30 out of 60, roughly. That's about mm -hmm. 50%. Most people said they get like between 1% and 10% of their testers actually grow them. So I was very happy with that. The one thing I uh, was un unsatisfied with was 3 out of the 30 found Hermes, or just 10%. And uh, they did have reasons that made sense to me that it would Herm. One, uh, my buddy Eagle, he has like a bunch of tents. And the person who was looking after his garden didn't close the tents with the lights on right yeah. next to his tents with the lights off. And there was this HPS light leaking into his dark zone. And like it hermed like four out of five things in the tent. Like only one thing didn't hurt in that tent. So yeah, that made me feel a little bit better. It can be down that. to grower error as much as it can be down to genetics when things harm. You really it's got definitely also it. part genetic because i mean like i said mm. i read it earlier it's larry og og comes from a herm uh you've got uh, the other end the cookie seven thin mint girl scout cookie comes mm. from a herm you've mm. got black velvet kush which is mexican sativa notably lots of herms and mexican sativas chem four comes from herm and og kush all come from herm so it's like it's in the genetic material mm. it's it's there so the other guy was the american one he had like five phenos one out of his five phenos hermed and it was like he doesn't really clean up the bottom super well. And I don't think that I had a ton of airflow in that spot of the room. He right. killed that one. He kept the other four and he was so happy with it that he has a clone of the Vill punch still despite <laughs> the Hermie. And uh, I somehow acquired a sample from him. And I thought the spectrum was like sweet, sweet grape candy to like pure gasoline, like as heavy as like 90% gas and like 10% grape to like 50, 50 and like somewhere more actually grape leaning. Um, but he found a Fino that was like watermelon Jolly Rancher. And he sent me, or allegedly, somehow I got a sample. And uh, mm. it was sweeter than any of the grape pinots I had. So it really impressed me with what potential is in there that I wasn't even aware of or able to unlock in my own garden. Damn. So we had Savans asking in the chat there, he couldn't find your book because he was searching for 50 shades of green book, but it's 50 strains of green. Yes, that's correct. So but just yeah. 50 strains.com is the best place to get it because that way it gives me your uh, shipping information and you don't have to like DM me and be like, Hey, do you want to do PayPal or Sweet. Venmo or whatever? And like, I have an international option and yeah. then uh, in the U S option and international is 44. And that's just because it costs over $20 for shipping alone. And uh, so you can backwards work. The can numbers people get on these books signed too? You leave a little note when you order the thing and be like, yo, could you mind signing my book, please, Jack? That'd be super cool. I sign all of them. I don't necessarily Sweet. personalize them though. Like, it's not like, mm -hmm. thank you, Mackie. You're the man. It's just like number 178 out of 250. And then on the bottom, I'll write Jack Greenstock and Sweet. green. That's uh, cool, but they're all signed by me. It's, too. That's cool. it's, it's not like uh, I have some person signing my name like or my wife doing it. Like <laughs> They're all me. And there's variation. I have arthritis, so like my hand's shaky. And uh, I try to make it not like bleed through onto the front. I'll show you an example right here. This one, I fucked up the numbering. So that's why this became one of my personal ones. And my cat sat on it, so it's all fucked up. But, uh, what, what number is yours, Gilbert? Let us know, man. And Savan like says uh, he noticed his error. He said he will be ordering a book. Very cool. Very cool. So you get your first page here. Yeah. Uh, 50 strands of green, Jack green stock. But then, uh, let me stand up. Maybe. The Zoom camera just freaks out. I'm going to have to turn off the virtual background again here. Yeah. All right. Stop. Uh, choose virtual background. None. 
it's the problem having a green screen background you know (laughs) everything green (laughs) so yeah it is actually green this time so you can see i fucked up my signature there so that's why this book didn't go out (laughs) but you got your jack green stock down at the bottom and then you've got this one would have been number 79 out of 250 i will admit i relabeled 79 just so we have a concurrent uh like whoever's went out latest was like 140 or something so that one needs to be Uh, 79 a yeah, 146 yes. is Chilbert's book in the, from the second nice. edition. Hell yeah. Very so cool. there was about 140 or 150 of the first edition. It sold out, but then I had like 10 or so like non-payments or, you know, people just ghost me or whatever. Right. Um, so I have like a few first editions left over, but other than that, I uh, sold like roughly about 140, all of those nice. 140. and. Sweet. Then the uh, second edition, I'm roughly about that. So it's a little over 300, somewhere in the mid 300s. So it's um, not like enough to make a living off. You're not a full-time best-selling author just yet. No, not yet. I will say, though, that 90% of books sell less than 100 copies. So I was very uh, happy with that. Very cool. And even like published books by published authors, typically it's like 250 to like maybe 500. And I'm still getting like one or two per month. I just randomly, like, I'll come on shows like this on occasion and new people in communities that I maybe haven't come across yet will mm. be interested in it. And um, like I did the future cannabis project and I got a few when I went on there and uh, it shows so cool something. And on top of that, um, I'm doing 50 strains of purple and whenever that's finished, I'm going to do a discount. So if you buy two books, like uh, 50 strains of green or 50 strains of purple, or just two copies of either one, because I can ship them both in the same envelope, it just saves a little bit on cost and mm-hmm. uh, do bundle deal kind of thing. Yeah. Super cool though. I, I would like got about ten percent of the way for a book. <laughs> it's just too too much hard work. It takes a, a long time to really dedicate so much time to that shit and so much effort to that shit. It, it's hard work, man. Putting a book. Yeah, even if you do a page a day, it's like a hundred days, and mm-hmm. that's a lot of fucking work. And uh, it's it takes a lot longer than a day to do a yeah. page if you're doing thorough research and then. The editing and the formatting. Yeah, the podcast takes up so much time. I don't really have time to do the book thing either now. What's the forum? When most people don't read books anymore, so you're probably right on the right medium. The thing about this book is it's not really one that you have to like sit down and read start to finish. It's like you can open it up and be like, oh, I'm going to like look at Freak Show on page 17 or like show my friend uh, the Afghan Skunk Haze or the Mango or Jack's Cleaner 2, Mm -hmm. Space Queen, Banana OG, UK Cheese. Mm -hmm. Like there's this like you can flip open and just read a single page or just look at the photos and like yeah. in awe, like instead of scrolling book more than anything. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, instead of doom scrolling on Instagram or whatever, Twitter, wherever you're at, uh, most like the stuff I follow is uh, cannabis content, but then occasionally Instagram decides to just like fuck the algorithm up and only like show me random ass shit, like mm-hmm. scams or uh, like women's fitness, <laughs> like random ass shit. <laughs> Uh, anything to like clickbait you, you know, like cleavage yep. and all that type of shit. But when I get this, I ideally set up my feed so that I just see people growing because I want to like see what's working for people, what's not working for people. If people need help, I want to offer help. If people are doing well, I want to take note of what's being successful and uh, what strains people are growing and liking and maybe and think about including them in my garden someday. That's the way it is. It's a good community, the cannabis community. Lots of good people. Always willing to share knowledge and shit like that. Well, there are, there are the dickheads out there as well, but that's just the way it is. Few and far between, though, for sure. There's more people like the American one who sent out hundreds or thousands of seeds. Mm-hmm. I know some of you guys over there have grown the Amy Aces, or maybe I'm mixing you up with some of the other UK boys, but I know it's uh, made its way over that way. No, I'm not sure what that one is. No, I haven't heard of that one. 
So it's from the American one. It's his uh, RB, which oh, stands for Re- right. yeah. Resin Bomb. It's his propri- proprietary cut. He doesn't know what it is necessarily, but he's been breeding with it for a long time. Across <laughs> that cool. to uh, Subcools, um, not UK Cheese, but um, Cheesequake. Right. And the Fino that I got was super, it smells a lot like U- UK Cheese from my experiences and real heavy on the cheese. It also had like kind of like a rubber ball smell to it like the mm, new nice. shoe rubber i like that shit the one thing that i didn't love was it had a lot of like lemon citrus on the front end especially early in the cure but as it cured up it became almost pure cheese like you opened up a bag of fucking cheese the mm. thing that pisses me off is i can't put my finger on it if it's like a provolone or something like it smells exactly like a cheese though like a specific one but i just can't put my mind <laughs> to which one yeah, I love UK cheese. is a favorite strain of mine, man. I love UK UK cheese. It's just the potent, the pungency, and the flavor. Love that shit. I thought it was potent, and then my wife like she can smoke bowl after bowl of it. She's like, I'm not even high. Yeah, some <laughs> people fucks. say that about cheese like as GB, well. You know, some people way, just they don't get high from cheese. Yeah, Jeep talks about smoking a whole ounce of it and walk out the room like he's never had anything. Yeah, that's my wife's like that. I'm smoking it like a bowl over here and I'm like blitz feeling good. I'm like, should I pack a second one? Or like I hit it like once or twice and the bowl is like still left there. Like like I pack a fresh one and it's like unhit. I'm like just looking, I'm like, oh I thought I hit that already. So yeah. usually a good sign that it's potent for me. But everybody's endocannabinoid system is a little bit different, like I mentioned that's earlier. Right. And I think it's really amazing to see that because uh what works for some won't work for others. And you're not gonna please everybody. Like I said, three of my people at Herms, the other guy was Tommy Trichomes, big fan of all three of these guys but he was growing it in a one gallon pot and doing like two to three foot tall plants and in my opinion i just think that's a little bit of a lot to ask of the the plant so with all the hermy lineages of cookies and ogs and cams that i have in that genetics that i was playing around with well we have uh, an angry customer there savans has ordered his book and it hasn't arrived with him yet so <laughs> he, just ordered, today. Yeah, he, he just, just ordered, ordered it like it. three minutes ago man it's not there yet bro that's a- what's going on here <laughs> canceled it's the drone (laughs) jack jack greenstock is canceled he cannot teleport books to me yeah we have trolls here man they're terrible people savants behave yourself (laughs) (laughs) but good shit man what would you have a plan for when the when is the pub one going to be out how much longer oh i say slow and steady but it's been more slow than steady unfortunately like i said Mm. i've got to finish up my taxes um i've only got a handful of strains actually completed as far as like the breeder, the effects, all the information, and then my personal experience and the photos. Mm. So I need to finish fleshing out the actual strain information and then gathering the photos is typically on the easier side of things, but I just want to make sure they're from good sources to be, if not a hundred percent as high of a likelihood that it is actually the strain that I'm depicting it to be. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of fakes. There's a lot of like, you just type hashtag purple punch you're going to see a lot of the knockoff ones and so i like to find like who's growing the cut and like tagging at supernova gardens mm. and things like that and on back onto that one like it, it does suck because they don't sell seeds of it there's no real purple punch s1 out there there's no real uh, you can get the clone but even that's questionable and then you've got people um and i think you guys might work with these people so i don't want to bash them too much but like barney's farm i think just sells mm-hmm. purple punch as purple punch yeah. they don't say supernova gardens they don't say anything i think they just say granddaddy purple cross the larry og and purple punch seeds and i think they might be feminized or something but um yeah that's the uh that's the purple punch i've grown that was the shit man that was some good shit mm. and it's like i'm happy that people are actually able to get good stuff out of not the original breeder i just personally mm-hmm. like to give 
the oh, yeah, it's the original artist, isn't it? Yeah, it's like DJ Shortbread, the blueberry. He deserves the credit for the blueberry, and like mm. that's he was an honorable mention in Fifty Strains of Green because all of his strains turn purple. Like he's one of my favorite breeders. One of the reasons I was inspired to write the book, and um, he does really the kind of breeding that I'm impressed by, and uh, envy somebody that had the time and passion to go through. Like he mm-hmm. took it from like this is you know Thai and Afghani bag seed from imports, grew it out himself, found what his stuff looked like from those seeds picked his favorite phenos, crossed them together generation after generation after generation, not even really knowing he was looking for a blueberry. He's just trying to make it better. And then like, sure enough, stuff started popping out and then he started nailing it down. So he's got like his flow line, the floral kind of side of things. He's got his blueberry line. And that was back uh, in the day when it wasn't so easy to do with all this shit. No, you're totally right. There was no real good information out there. And uh, a lot of reason for it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. A lot of uh, crossover information from other breeding too, like other flowers and things like that can apply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's been some amazing breeding done, like uh, the Shasta Daisy by uh, Luther Burbank. He like bred together like four different daisies over like, I think it was like 17 year process or something. Damn. And he's the guy who bred the spineless cacti um, to feed to like cattle, which was uh, not really a commercial success, but on small scale, some people have actually claimed it's yeah, it would be Much pretty good than... if you got some of them in the San Pedro's with no spikes on that would job nicely. Yeah. People love the cacti out here. I saw one lady once at the gas station, like out just picking the fruit off of them to like bring home and even the paddle. She'd like, oh yeah, the prickly pears, yeah, yeah, prickly pear. That's the one, and people love it. They eat it. It's very popular here. But um, cattle that were fed this uh, spineless cacti and even horses, they actually stopped drinking water in some cases because it was so hydrating for them to mm. just eat. The cacti that they didn't need to drink they're no so way. fucking hydrated that you lead them up to a stream and some of them that were fed the cacti from a baby they'd never actually drank out of a trough so oh, when they were yeah. brought to water they were like what, what do i do, do, with I do now what, what is yeah. this why is Where's the land what's going yeah, on here <laughs> why is it moving Where's the cactus <laughs> exactly they wanted the cacti only and it's exactly. um there was like some studies where they like looked at like the amount of like pounds of cattle that were generated like i don't know like meat versus uh, fat and things like that and they did studies and had good results but i guess the cultivation of it wasn't as uh simple as they were expecting and, and the mm. grazing didn't work as well they were hoping that they could just grow it and the cattle would naturally like graze it but i think you had to grow it and then like chop it up and put it in troughs anyway so after all the time and work most people just ended up going with their old methods and not going through with it but it was a cool story nonetheless he was the guy who actually what he got most famous for is uh, the russet potato, also known as the Burbank potato. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> saved a lot of Americans' lives because the, like, if you remember the Irish potato famine, the potato blight was responsible for a lot of people starving to death. And uh, he made the first blight-resistant potato, which is the russet potato or Burbank. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever eaten McDonald's french fries, you have Luther, Luther Burbank to thank because he bred that potato in his farm in Massachusetts before he moved out here wow, to California. Man. That's crazy, isn't it? He just f two to fucking ton of potatoes, <laughs> just like the the thing. Just like I was talking about with the cotton candy grape, it was like a natural breeding. He just crossed mm-hmm. two known varieties, went to f two, which is like you see a lot of the grandparent genetics and a lot of shit just starts popping out. Right. And within there, he found a special one. So it wasn't like he was like some breeding expert or master. And uh, he used his whole entire farm in Mass to do that. And then he moved to some city with an S. I can't remember. It's not Solvang. It's uh, something else. Split north. <laughs> but yeah, he he did a lot for. Um, growing plants in general and there's like a little his house is still up there and stuff you could see he's done stuff like uh, different berries and things like that too so really interesting individual if you're into breeding he's worth looking into his story 
That's cool, man. I'm going to have to look into that shit. We could get guys like that on the show, you know, like not cannabis related people, but people with a, a scientific research like that done and growing it. That's interesting shit. It Maybe it'll inspire people to do more of that kind of thing with cannabis as well. Well, it's funny because he was notorious for not writing down enough of his stuff. So like they couldn't figure out like how he achieved all this shit, but he had like these giant plots. Like, <laughs> Probably a stoner he, too then, yeah. He wrote little like shorthand <laughs> stuff so he could figure it out, but nobody else really fucking knew. So he was mm. kind of like the early stoners that are like breeding with their nose and taste and like not mm. necessarily using all the science, but he got amazing results that were later kind of backed by science to be really impressive. So I think that there's definitely something to it. Um, mm. You don't want to go fully on to intuition. I think there was like the Russian Lyshenko. He uh, basically led Russia and China into famine because they believed in what was called Lyshenkoism, where they thought if you like, there was literal bro science type shit. Like if you freeze the seeds in a cup of water and then thaw the water and then plant those seeds, they'll be resistant to the winter. Right. So Mm -hmm. they would grow those seeds out and then the winter would come and they'd all fucking die. And then they'd have none of them to eat so they literally had millions of people dying based on this guy lyshenko who was offering up bro science that i thought it was communism that did that <laughs> or was it, it was a combination <laughs> maoism maoism and lyshenkoism were both uh, mm-hmm. communist and they had kind of the with communism as you may or may not have seen throughout history they can control the information and um one of the guys who was kind of doing like burbank i can't think of his name there was another russian breeder who did a lot of really great work he ended up getting killed for going against Lyshenko and he was like doing really great breeding. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of a tragic story, but uh, eye opening one because Mm -hmm. it's, it's good to challenge bro science. Sometimes even your own beliefs, if you think something is hundred percent fact, you got to wonder where did it originate and how much evidence do you really have to back it? And have you tried the other ways? Mm -hmm. Because if the answers are no to some of those things, maybe it's worth experimenting with even just a plant, like a one plant per run, trying a little, something something yeah it's, it's always good to try these things yourself even just for the fun of it it's a hobby at the end of the day especially for us here in the uk you know we can't do this shit legally just yet so nobody does it as a profession so you have to try and enjoy it as a hobby and just have fun with it just have have some spare space if you can so you can grow a, a practice plant to try new things on and shit like that i wouldn't recommend bonsai if you need medicine though because like oh god yeah those are you're gonna get a lot less medicine and you might get a lot of instagram likes and followers but uh as cool as it is i don't recommend that if you're trying to grow for your own medicine but other mm-hmm. than that i'm totally with you on the hobby side of things just grow a few plants for yourself get yourself some medicine i just saw one the other day from canna bonsai manny who had a bonsai cannabis plant that was in flower that had a birdhouse built into it it wouldn't <laughs> fucking birdhouse <laughs> nice so, next level shit there but uh i definitely i'm looking at it and i'm like you probably veg this thing for a few months <laughs> did a lot of fucking training a lot of work oh, yeah. to get like the root system all looking a certain way and like he's gonna yield like less than a half an ounce off the plant mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh my goodness you know but as long as you enjoyed the growing process yeah you know it Good could be for therapeutic them. for him to slow down and maybe he's got plenty of fucking weed somewhere else that he doesn't need it and that's why he's able to just do this would, for fun and passion. very therapeutic for me i'll blow like, the fuck is this no, I mean, half ounce of weed for three months. I throw a mug grow in, in a corner of a tent almost every time just for the hell of it. I don't know why. I just, I like doing those Cause things. Because you got problems, monkey. No, because I got a spare a corner in a tent and I've got other big plants in there too. Mm-hmm, I mean, that's mm-hmm. my medicine. So this is just for fun. Yeah, when you got the fun ones. It, that's the art. And that's yeah. it. It's fun, isn't it? You just do it for fun, man. Pretty much. It's good shit. So where can our guys find you? Where can listeners find you? Over on uh, 
on the growing with my fellow lads every Sunday night around midnight. It's just after our podcast is, I think. Is that so right? growing with my fellow growers uh, comes right. on Sunday. Growing with my fellow lads was back in the day. When yeah, it was, yeah, uh, yeah. Shane, it was... you and, and the other boys, you guys yeah. have kind of both taken your shows on different uh, directions, but you can mm-hmm. see my logo here. I've covered up my camera for a second at Jack Greenstock is where I'm predominantly found on Instagram. Although I don't post there much on my uh, feed because there are so many, unfortunately, anti-cannabis people, yeah. whether they even know you or not, if they come across a cannabis page, they'll just report it as mm-hmm. selling illegal drugs and Sucks you can get your accounts late. deleted. Mm-hmm. So I mainly just DM people and answer their questions and offer advice over there. And we'll occasionally do live stories there and uh, post stories occasionally, reposting stuff that I find inspirational, funny, or interesting, cannabis-related or not. I'm also on Twitter, Jack underscore Greenstock. And you could email me if you're not on any of the social medias, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. And like I said earlier, if you want a copy of the book, 50strains.com, 50strains.com, 50 strains, like 50 strains of green or 50 strains of purple, which should be out. Like, I don't know if I gave a date, but I'm hoping for by Thanksgiving at latest by Christmas time. Mm -hmm. But uh, last year I said that and I totally failed. My Yeah, be six months after that. Oh, right. Sorry, say that, man. That's the name. It was. It sucked for sure, and yeah. uh, they're both big, big parts of my life, and it hit me hard. And um, you know, I'm getting through it still, but it never will. You know, like thing you mentioned earlier, things will never be the same, mm-hmm. <laughs> pandemic or whatever. And yeah. when you lose somebody, especially like your first major losses and huge yeah. members of your family, it uh, has an impact on you, and it just made me refocus and rethink things, and uh, not necessarily have as much time. Although I, I would be lying to say, like, I didn't lose money writing the book. Um, mm-hmm. I made it so I'd at least break even on like yeah. the first and second edition. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've been able to start making some profit after I sold X amount of copies. That's cool. But cool. Um, like you said, it's not something that I am retiring off of or like doing as a full-time gig. My full-time gig, for those who don't know, I'm an autism specialist, essentially. I used to be an ABA therapist, which is called Applied Behavioral Analysis. It's the only to my knowledge therapy out there available for people on the autism spectrum that is proven and therapeutic so you teach kids how to like brush their teeth tie their shoes do their abcs speak shower whatever they needed to do like a life activities and skills Mm -hmm. and i did that for a year after college and um realized all these kids needed a ton of activity and like some of them would have programs like go to the park climb a ladder go down a slide because they'd be working on like fine motor or gross motor skills and I noticed when I did all those physical activities, one, I was one of the only dudes at the place. It was like we had four, uh, 50 employees. I was one of the only five males. It was like 45 women. Working with kids. Mm. Most of the kids, though, on the other end, um, autism is like three to four times more likely in young boys. But the extreme end, it's like 10 times more likely in boys. So we had 150 clients and I think 140 were boys and only 10 were girls. So um, yeah. I, this might be stereotypical, but I personally believe in my experience, there's not a ton of data to back this, but there is some young boys and young girls, both. Um, if we want to talk about sex or gender, whatever, yeah, uh, just no, based on the actual that. sex. No, no. <laughs> but generally, I think same peer, same sex um, peers or, or um, influences like mm-hmm. a father figure for a young boy, a mother figure for a yeah. young girl. Those have profound experiences and effects on people. And uh, therapists like myself so being sexist. male, it, it was noticeably, even like my bosses were telling me like, oh, like you're lucky you're a guy because a lot of the boys relate to you more easily. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing guy stuff. 
they yeah. are more buddy buddy with the guys. So I had an easier job than a lot of my female coworkers, but I'm also more active. A lot of them were overweight and uh, not Dude. super into sports Dude. and fitness where I am. So the whole first year I was there, I was doing a lot of physical stuff and I was noticing we had to record like their behaviors. If they slap themselves in the head, bite their hand or attack somebody or pull somebody's hair or break a toy, you'd record those behaviors as like a negative behavior or problem behavior. <clears throat> but then you also have like programs of like, here is the ABCs. He did really well or whatever. And here is tying shoes. And like you give them scores and things like that. Well, I noticed after the physical activity, their scores started going up for their challenging programs and stuff like that, where they're trying to do the ABCs, brush their teeth, tie their shoes, and their negative behavior started going down. And I was like, it's gotta be something to this. They're kind of like a, the energizer bunny, you know, fucking all wound up, just like beating that drum, beating that drum. Yeah. And as soon as you wear them out a little bit, they kind of act more like a normal kid. So I started just getting them really active and uh, I fell in love with yoga myself for, you know, my back injuries and neck injuries. So one of the kids had a program for yoga. And so he was one of the kids I saw the most and it was really working well for him. Like his speech was improving. He was like pretty nonverbal and he would start speaking more after doing yoga. So I'm like, there's something to this shit. So I started telling my bosses like, Hey, I'll do a yoga program for you guys for free on Saturdays. You already do like parents day off Saturday, let their people come in and do yoga with me. And maybe they'll find benefit. And they're like, okay. And like one month goes by, they don't, don't do it. Two months go by. They don't do it. Like three months go by. Don't do it. Four months go by. I'm like, all right, guys. Like I've asked several times, like, when are we going to do this? And they just like, Oh, uh, I'm going to send it to the person above me, blah, blah, blah. And after that, I was like, I've got two weeks coming up to, I had a one-year contract with the company. And I was like, should I renew this contract and keep working for them? Or should I go and do something on my own? And I was like, well, fuck, they don't listen to any of my input. And I think I could help more if I do something else. So I ended up going to grad school because I wanted to get a degree, maybe make a little more money or, I don't know, work with the parents. Because, like, I heard 80% of the special needs kids' parents end up divorcing. So I was like, okay, I'll become a marriage and family therapist, help the parents, and then the parents can better help the kids. Went to grad school, realized I hate counseling. I'm more of a psychology person, <laughs> which right, yeah. those, are, those are two different things, believe it or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> They're very, very different. I thought they were, like, the same. Counseling is its own field of study. Psychology is its own field of study. They're related, but they're very different, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I got my degree in psychology in undergrad, and then I went to a counseling program for graduate school. Realized I just didn't like counseling, and I also realized I didn't want to work with the parents. I want to work with the kids, because mm-hmm. my dad was a school teacher when he started. He was like a gym teacher, worked his way up to a business manager, and uh, you know, basically stopped working with the kids. And one of his regrets in life was he would have wanted to spend more time in the classroom because the kids kind of gave him the energy and that was what he loved and enjoyed. Mm. So I saw that and I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep working with the kids. Like fuck grad school <laughs> withdrew yeah. after a semester. Uh, I met lady Greenstock in Florida where I was at. I moved there for uh, grad school at UCF in Orlando and Sweet. withdrew after six months. And we moved back to California in my mini Cooper. And I started my <laughs> business. Uh, I called it, uh, I won't say the name, but I started a company providing yoga services to special needs kids. And I had one client who my old job actually like terminated because they refused to come to our offices, even though they were a home program and my office got like a new manager and they're trying to like make more money. And they're like, no, everybody has to come to our office for this meeting, that meeting. Like this family had been with the company for like seven years longer than I'd have been there. They're great. They're always nice to me. It was the one that actually did the yoga program with me. So they were like, Hey, we're leaving this company because they're kind of like basically bullying us into trying to follow their rules and like this is a home program for us we're not going to bring them 45 minutes away to a place that is uh not going to be as beneficial 
Like we need our services at home, not at their offices. So they got basically kicked out of my company's services. And after that, I was like, all right, I'm definitely leaving this company. They're not listening to me about the yoga program. They're bullying my favorite clients. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go to, I thought I was going to go to grad school, like get a degree and do something. But then I realized while I was studying the degree, one of the things I learned in counseling was something called play therapy. And it was very beneficial for kids. And I kind of noticed that firsthand when I was doing ABA the year before that the play therapy, like the activities, the exercise, the fun, that actually helps these kids like not engage in negative behavior because they feel normal. They get the exercise they need. They learn hand-eye coordination. They feel normal. They feel Mm -hmm. treated with respect and love. Like I don't play special needs tennis or yoga with these kids. Like we do regular ass yoga. Like I just teach them step-by-step and if they need help, I'll help them. But if Mm -hmm. they don't, we'll let them keep going. And uh, so I love my job. I love my work. (laughs) It's my passion. I've been doing it for a while now and uh, I love what I do. So I don't need to write books to make money. It's mm-hmm. a passion project. Yeah. It is something literally I'm just doing because I want to have this. If they ever delete my Instagram, yeah. I have a hard <laughs> copy and this will sit on my coffee table because it's got a UV resistant cover and it won't get bleached out by the sun because I paid a little extra to make sure that other people are able to just let it sit out and show their friends and flip through it and have a little kind of a talking piece. And uh, I couldn't be happier with how it turned out and, and the response I've gotten from people. It's been 99 0.99% positive. I had one person who I featured their photo and they got very mad and tried to sue me. So. Oh my God. Fucking hell. This is the way it is, isn't it? There's always one. One in a hundred usually, but you're talking like one in a thousand there. So you, you've been... Yeah. There. Out of the photos, it was like I used 250 plus photos and I only used one of their photos and it wasn't even for their strain. It just, they took a picture of that strain. And I was like, it was one of five photos I used on that page. One. Like I started off, I wanted to ask everybody for permission to use their photos. Mm-hmm. There's something called uh, fair use here in the U.S. So you can use copyrighted photos if you do like transformative things, like you make it part of a collage, you write a mm-hmm. book that shares information, you do a critique. There's like three or four different methods of fair use that you can legally use somebody's copyrighted work even without their permission. Um, and I even cited their source. I like gave them credit. I said like, this is the name of the person. This is the link to that photo. If you want it, I could DM you. And uh, one of the other breeders I featured actually started following me, uh, Cali Connection. They they're like stoked that so many people have DM'd me like, hey, I started growing this pack of seeds that I found in your book. And I went and bought them from that breeder. And that breeder must have heard from enough people that I was recommending it because like three or four people told me, hey, I hit up the Cali Connection because I read about it in your book and really liked what you wrote about that strain. And so yeah. Cali Connection follows me now. now. I thought most breeders would be flattered that I used their <laughs> images in some cases and then quoted where to find it and wrote about it in a flattering light. So I was like, I kind of surprised when, although he was a non-breeder, he's wanted to get paid for his photography. And I was like, Hey, here's how fair use works. Just so you know, I'm like, one, you already posted it on Instagram. So you don't even own the photo anymore. Instagram does. But two, even if that wasn't the case, it's like, I'm using it in a transformative thing. He's like, you're advertising with my photo. I'm like, dude, the only photo I've ever advertised is the one on the front cover, which I took myself. Like, mm-hmm. This is the only photo that I've ever advertised on social you know, media. You, you put all like, that work in. Books with my image. That's it. It's like yeah, this one image out of these hundreds of views in this whole book. This one image is making all the difference. But, oh, God damn. What do yeah, these it's, people it's even get given silly. internet connections, man? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he's like a, a fairly prominent member of the cannabis community. I used his photo of the haze, and I even told him, I was like, hey, you know what? Some of my best friends are the best copyright attorneys in the country. If you'd like to take this to court, then have a judge <laughs> subpoena me 
and they can try and find out who Jack Green Suck is through my uh, IP address because I'm not just going to give you my personal information and make this easy for you. Mm-hmm. If you really want to go through the battle, let's make it a fucking battle. Like, mm-hmm. come after me. <laughs> but he blocked me on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, because he knows he, he really can't do over. anything. He needs to get fucking gripped. Don't be so touchy. I know. And honestly, like, I thought about just, like, cutting the photo out of the book. It's like leaving <laughs> a little blank spot there. But um, <laughs> he does have access to the legitimate legitimate source of haze and he had a good photo and it's like i used it as one of five i transformed it i didn't just take his photo and make a whole page of it it's like it was one of the five photos it got sized into a thing like i showed you like yeah, there's yeah. formatting there's reformatting and it was part of a greater thing it wasn't like just his like hey everybody look at todd's photo that i stole and put into a book it's like here is a full page write-up about that strain his thing is literally a one by one inch square on the i'll, I'll open to the book right now just to show you <laughs> it's funny it's gonna like, show it again now, now we're gonna get copyrighted by youtube you you showed that picture <laughs> i'm gonna actually cover it up i'll cover it up with my fingers i'm not sure which one it is i'll cover up two photos i remember it's one of the top corner photos if you can yeah see. there we go yeah we can see, I can yeah. see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah so literally not even one half of the photos side of the page and like i look at each strain as like a two-page process because i've got the images and i've got the text so like there's 50 strains in the book there's at least 100 pages right because you got the text info about the strain and you got the photos mm-hmm. left and right and um that was actually more difficult than you might imagine to line up so when it printed they were all proper like this one's on the left this one's on the right um but with that said, I also have like a introduction information, like about the background of the book, the definition of the word strain, like a shout out to my mm-hmm. family and loved ones. And then at the end, I shout out some of the people who passed away, like Josie Wales, Subcool. And I posted some uh, write-ups that highlight them and quoted where I found them from because like, I love Subcool, but some people wrote up really good things after he died that included a bunch of stuff. So instead of quoting little bits and pieces, I was like, read this piece about Subcool and here is mm-hmm. the article. And none of those people had any issues. And uh, so I'm happy overall with how things turned out. Only one person got a little bit legally weird with it. And it made me realize that although I included in the book, all the copyright information and tried to be as transparent as possible about how I had gotten some of the images um, without necessarily getting approval first, because when I reached out, like me and Gene from Mendocino, I used Black Lime Reserve. I ended up not using his photos because uh, I used his strain, but not his photos because I asked him for photos and he's like, yeah, sure. And he like never got back to me and I didn't we had like another back and forth never ended up sending me photos mm. and um so at that point i was like all right i'll just go find other photos that people have grown up black line reserve and <laughs> include those i'm not gonna like uh, try and harass people and hunt them down if mm-hmm. they're not gonna send it like first second third time or whatever yeah that's um, it. yeah and when there's 50 strains and up to five photos per strain you're talking 250 plus photos and Quick uh, that's a lot of it would have never came out. The book would have never, ever come out if I didn't have the access for fair use, mm-hmm. honestly, because I'd yeah, have to get permission sure. from every single one and it'd be a worse book and it would have never been released. So the unfortunate few people that get really rubbed the wrong way by fair use, copyright law and that bullshit. But that, that's um, their problem and it's not yours. That's just yeah. the way it is, man. Yeah. Some people are just going to freak out no matter what, mate. They'll find a reason to get pissed off. But it seems to people, I mean, Chilbert's got the book and he enjoys it. And I'm sure there's many people out there. I mean, a good ratio is 99.9%. That means, uh, yeah, I mean, not many everybody dickheads. who's bought it likes it so yeah, far. Man. I haven't gotten negative feedback from anybody who's actually purchased the book. The one person who got heard about it was somebody who I used some of their work and he must have heard about it from a friend or somebody else that got the book. But like, I'm honestly a little bit surprised because one out of 250 
photo is being used to, to like have yeah. somebody be like hey this looks like your photo like did you know you were featured in this book that was probably why just the surprise mm. like i was featured in a book i didn't even know so um chilbert here in the chat says jack you can use any of my pictures you like in 50 shades of purple check on my insta or percy's hey them pictures on percy's mate they're percy's by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know only joking man you, you, i'm sure there's plenty of members over on Percy's, man who are happy to donate pictures if you need some i you. posted up all the 50 strands i'm planning to use for 50 strands of purple so if people want to email me so i could get like the highest res so i'm not just like Sweet. screenshotting or like yeah downloading man. yeah from, yeah yeah not but, compressed uh, i've, gotten, a, like I've gotten some really good ones already so i'm super i wanted to make it more of a community collaboration it was like yeah well, I've got the option. I'm, why not? Well, I'm Indeed, writing a book mate. now. Yeah. I know what the strains are. I'll put it out there to the people. I have all 50. I have to like swipe through because I can only post like 10 in a list on, I don't mm-hmm. know. I did it all from my phone or whatever. You could swipe through and see like 10 at a time. And if you have grown any of those strains before, I'd love community photos better than just finding them from strangers on the internet. What's the email address? Jack 47 at gmail.com. Nice. It's good shit, man. Well, we better let you go because we've been here for two whole hours now. It's been a pleasure yeah, yeah. just talking about, about the book and, and, and everything, man. It's been fucking sweet talking to you. We should Always do it again sometime. Out with you guys. And just contact Jack on Instagram or 50strainsofgreen.com, 50 is it? 50strains.com. So there's just no of green because it'll okay. be there. Same website for 50 strains of purple. That's coming later this year. Mm-hmm. Not shades, strains. Strains, so, exactly. Right. I got too clever. It was like TH seeds. You know, instead of THC seeds, yeah, yeah. his name TH seeds and mm-hmm. the Adam Dunn show guy. And uh, everybody buys THC seeds thinking that they're supporting Adam Dunn. And really, it's like he got mm-hmm. a little too clever for his own good. And I think it yeah. might have been there too. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah, man. So thank you very much. We'll, we'll, I mean, I'll contact you again and we'll see when we can jump in on some Sunday with you guys. That'd be fun. Just jump for in sure. You're always welcome. That would be, be super cool. Be, be crazy. Peace love, everybody. Uh... Yeah, man. Have a <laughs> good right, day, man. Jack. Thank you again for joining us, bro. Later, man. there we go thank you for listening everybody we appreciate you listening to the show appreciate you downloading the show and very much appreciate you sharing the show with your friends as well because that's how we make the show grow we're always fighting against the youtube and google algorithms because we are a cannabis show we have to always fight against the algorithms because they think we're doing something wrong so you help us help the show grow by sharing this show with your friends either on social media or by word of mouth whatever you can do to help the show grow will be massively appreciated by us but anyway until next time when we have the grow guides on friday and the grow guides on friday are all about topping cannabis plants which is pretty much a necessity when you are grown indoors. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoy the next one. And we hope to see you on Sunday live for the main show up on YouTube, which you should know by now is youtube.com slash high on homegrown. Don't forget to head over there and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that already. Much appreciated, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay high, stay safe, and stay high on homegrown. Yes. See you in a bit. Goodbye. Goodbye.